Welcome to Down to Herf, the podcast for cigar smokers, whiskey drinkers, and for the people just looking to kick back, light up, and have a good time. I'm your host, Jerry, and I'm joined by, as always, my co-host, Gio and Caleb. Fellas, 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 how are we doing on this fine hump day? We'll start things off with Caleb. Happy Whiskey Wednesday, y'all. It's uh, Whiskey good to, Wednesday. Good to see you guys again. And nice hair, too, by the way, Jerry. Thank you, buddy. Looking the, like Jimmy Neutron. The mo- <sighs> Jesus <laughs> People call me that all the time, bro. It's fucking... <sighs> Jer the hair. You know what? Jimmy Neutron was a good show. Yeah. Yo, Jimmy I, Neutron got bitches, bro. That girl hated him, but low-key... Lo- lo- the best part about yeah, that is uh, the one like nerdy kid, and he like pulls out a bra. Carl. Carl. He's like, no, the... the uh, Sid? The taller one. I think, uh, was, I think it was Sid. But he's like, he pulls out like his like a bra from like Carl's mom's like drawer. He's like, oh, this is an Ultra Lord double barrel slingshot. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you call those things. He's nice. like, oh, my mom has a lot of those. <laughs> Gio, how are you, bud? Just getting over a cold, man. I'm hoping I can actually enjoy this. Got dude. a little uh, Irish remedy here. Yeah, I like that, dude. That's uh, That used to be the go-to move in like Kentucky and shit. The... When they made, uh, what, like, Prohibition, 100 Proof was, like, medicinal. Yeah. So, like, you had to, like, go get a prescription from your doctor to have it. A yeah. lot of sick people in Kentucky. Now now, now it's weed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the cure-all. But, uh, listen, we got a very fun show planned. Uh, really cool guests coming on the show. Uh, before we get into any of that, Caleb, what are we drinking, buddy? I'm glad you asked. Uh, you see the shirt? You see the bottle? We got Bullet Bourbon, 10-year. So, you know what? As for as much as we talk about how much we love bourbon, this is the first time we've done it on Down to Herf podcast. Um, so this is a ten-year aged bourbon out in, you know, of course, white American oak charred barrels, uh, aged for ten years down out of Louisville, Kentucky, Louisville, Louisville, Louisville. Louisville. So uh, the Bullet Tenure actually started uh, Brandon's brand expansion in 2013. So it has the same mash bill as like the regular Bullet, just aged a little longer. There is no like age statement on the orange label of Bullet, as you know. So um, they just came from in a good condition, different levels, different parts of the warehouse. <laughs> and, you know, they finally got to the point after 10 years. We're like, this is it. We got to release it. It's coming out. Um, there's a little bit of some 11 and 12 year blended in this as well. Uh, we have a 91.2 proof here uh, made in very small batches, but... Um, we got this nice, very brownish, reddish kind of color to it. It's very smooth, guys. This is a nice sipper. Uh, I don't know how you guys feel about your first couple of sips if you took them, but I'm I'm already digging it. And I, believe it or not, this is my first time having the uh, Bullet Ten. I don't know if I've ever actually had the Ten. Yeah, yeah, I have. Um, didn't we have this like when we used to like go out on whiskey Saturdays, or were we just too poor? I think I had too many whiskey Saturdays, and the brain just turned to mush, and I forgot. Yeah, we used to do this whole thing on Saturdays where uh, Caleb and I would uh, start in the afternoon, uh, drink copious amounts of whiskey, and then God only knows, like, we pretty much just, Jesus took the wheel, and, and we, like, wherever we ended up in the day is where we ended up. Right. Really, really fucked up. Oh, hey, you know, God bless you. Always ended up at Doc's. That was the ending spot. You know what, dude? Remember that time we literally thought we were watching, like, a Mumford & Sons cover band? 
It was yeah, it was a Mumford and Sons cover band, but I actually thought it was them. We, <laughs> like, there's no we way. We were really drunk. We thought it was Mumford and Sons. I had it on my Snap story. I was like, where did a Mumford and Sons pop up? I was like, what the fuck? And then somebody was like, um No, you're not. No, I think you just might be retarded. Which is also possible. It's possible and plausible. So now uh correct me if I'm wrong, bullets MGP. Uh so this is mm-hmm. a Greg Metz recipe. Could possibly be involved. He did say he dipped his th- thumb in there, as you would say, probably. Um, put a thumb in it? Probably. Future style? Yeah. Um, guys, <laughs> I like the reference there, dude. Great song, by the way. Uh, don't mind your kids Stick listening. Stick talk? Yeah, don't mind your kids listening to that, but good song for us adults here. Um, this bottle goes for around 45 to 50 bucks if you're looking to get it. I mean, it's very smooth. I'm enjoying it. Uh, the color on it's very nice, and I got a little history on this thing. So, Bullet was actually started by Augustus Bullet in the 1830s. Uh, they discontinued uh, brewing when he died in 1860, and their original mash bill was two-thirds rye and one-third corn. But in 1987, Thomas Bullet, he is the great-great-grandson of Augustus Bullet, they restarted up the company in '87. And then in 97, uh, they were bought by Seagram. So that's where Greg Metz had his hands in the th- in, in things. And uh, now they're currently owned by Diageo. So um, what else do I have in here? They actually, I do have a mash bill in here as well. So let me just get to that. It's in here somewhere. Dude, Bullet was like a staple mark of our Whiskey Saturdays. Yeah, I mean, it was. We used to drink this all yeah, the time. They made a, it was like a product placement in that like one <laughs> Sylvester Stallone movie, Bullet to the Head. They they definitely got us hooked with that. <laughs> um, so, Take a shot bullet to the head. So uh, mash bill on this, we have 68% corn, 28% rye, and 4% malted barley, making for a very sweet, light mixture. And again, any tasting notes or anything you guys are picking up on this that you want to talk about? Mm. Swirl around. Give it a nice swig. Well, it's hard to swirl it, Caleb, because you poured me a fucking entire Glencairn. But, uh, doomed you. Yeah. Whiskey Wednesday. I'll say. But... Uh, Smells very nice. Uh, just kind of brings me back to Bar Louie, bud. Those are the Bar Louie. Oh, man. Look at he, this guy. He just he was like, whoa, Bar Louie. What the fuck? Dude, everyone's got a Bar Louie story. Even my dad, when he was drinking, he's got a Bar Louie story. <laughs> <laughs> Something about Bar Louie. It really gets you going. What was really interesting is for a chain place, like everyone, it was like a more adult Applebee's. <laughs> But Bar Louie late night on Tuesdays, you could yeah. make your own burger for a dollar. Like, really fucking weird shit, man. But uh, that's how they get you, though. Like, the bun was a dollar. The second half of the bun was another dollar. The cheese was a dollar. The lettuce was a dollar. And then it eventually gets up to regular price burger. But yeah, it was advertised as dollar burger night. Yeah. But if you were just like a, like a Neanderthal, you could just go in there and get like a meat patty for a buck. <laughs> You're sticking to that protein lean diet. Yeah, right. There you go. That, that, that keto. That was so, Geo back in the day. No, nah, that, that was Mikey. <laughs> yeah, that would be Mike. That would definitely be Mike. Yeah, I'm going to take uh, 12 patties, please. <laughs> I'll take 12 patties. That's $12. Yeah, but anyways, getting back to getting back to the bullet, the taste. Uh, I mean, this thing just is like, it's like nostalgic to me. Uh, it just brings me back. In fact, uh, I wish we would have coordinated a little better, Caleb. I would have actually wore my bullet shirt. I have one as well. You should have, man. I should have. I should have. I fucked up, man. You know, about time I get to wear this shirt on the show, because I haven't yet. And um, I really love Bullet. So, Bullet, if you're listening to the show and want to send us a sponsor, I mean, you know, 
get in contact with us or send us some samples. We love Bullet. <laughs> Bullet's going to listen to five minutes of the show and be like, canceled. Nope. That Caleb kid, I'll tell you. <laughs> Q&A he's on, he's Caleb. Like, we, wanna, we don't want to be associated did with Did you hear this guy? Did, uh, don't even. We'll save it for an after her. Okay, all right. Yeah, th- this fucking I dude I think Gio's going to agree with me. No, he's so, absolutely not. He's I, informed. He's I'm informed. telling you right now, there's no fucking way because Gio tends to lean on my side. I don't know. We could bring it up. We can just float it. We could float it out there. I said I want to use this as a conspiracy theory. G- we don't G- have to talk about Jerry this. Jerry says no way. States, no, no. tune in. Tune in to the After Her episode coming up. Do you know why we won't use what you were talking about as a conspiracy theory? Because we'll immediately get flagged and suddenly pulled off the air. No, I've already told no, them. No, yeah. YouTube changed their guidelines. You can talk about it. No one's getting flagged anymore. They'll put that little they'll oh. put that little thing. Our guest is here. All right. My man, he talks too much about uh <sighs> Demonetization. Yeah, hey, hey, hey what's up, man? All right, well, cheers, boys. How y'all doing? Oh, we're cheers. hanging in there right now. Just All uh, right. just finished up our uh, our intro, and now we're now we're here, man. Yeah, I'm I'm on time actually. One one oh one, not too bad. I hey. jammed on over here. My yeah. man, appreciate you. All right, hey, Gio. appreciate you guys, man. Definitely. Thank you for taking the time out in the middle of the day. I know it's uh, not the most convenient time to do these sorts of things, but hey, got to make it do what it do. That's a fact. All right, Jared, let's get this uh, recording here for the actual uh, remote stuff. All right, yeah. It's uh, it's going, bud. And three, two, one. Three, there two, one. And there it is. All right, guys. Yeah. We are here with John Huber from Crown Heads. If you don't know, now you know. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, very little introduction is needed. We've talked about Crown Heads a ton on the show. We've had Jake on. We've had Miguel on. So big fan of the brand, obviously. Happy to have you on finally and talk to you. Thank you. Thank you for making the time, and uh, it's good to be here and talk to you guys as well. I don't want Jake and Miguel to have all the fun. Hmm. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah, they were just in town. We we saw them. We got to visit them. You guys are up in Buffalo, right? Yes, yeah. sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was telling me about that. Uh, he's he was, he's saying how elaborate y'all's studio is. He's like, you wouldn't believe it, man. I went in there and did this podcast, and their studio is like like all this professional studio and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, uh, my my wife gave me a decision. Uh, it was um, allow her to use the garage to park her car, mm-hmm. or agree to shovel around her vehicle and get all the snow off the car in Buffalo, and <laughs> I could turn it into a man cave. So I was yeah, like, "Fuck good decision. it, this is an easy decision. decision for me. I'm going to turn it into the craziest man cave I possibly can." And it sounds you know, like you succeeded. Today. Yeah, yeah. Now That's it's awesome. a man cave studio, fantasy football draft. Home there base, you, you know. <laughs> That's get a little up. crazy. That's coming up. All good. All good. Yeah. Well, so yeah, obviously, like Gio said, we we've had Jake on the show a bunch of times. I I I love that kid, man. Every time he's up here, man, we have a great he's good time. People. Yeah, he's definitely good people. So yeah, he yeah. fits in really good with the team. He's he's part of it for sure, hundred percent. That boy can drink. <laughs> yeah. All man. right, John. I'm gonna hit you off with a little bit of a wild card question right off the sure. bat. Jerk. You are stranded on a desert island. You have Miguel. Oh you have Miguel oh, and Jake shit. with you. Who are you bringing and why? Uh, <laughs> Both great dudes. For what is this like a survival question? Definitely like gonna... survival. <laughs> oh man, you can't. Uh, fact- you, I mean, I guess you could factor in who you like more or not. But you man, also that's got... a toss up. They're kind of like cut from the same cloth, aren't they? I mean, I don't know. Pretty I mean, much. Uh, probably. I don't know. I mean, I've known Miguel longer, um, but Jake. Could bench 440 at one time, so he'd be pretty good as a protector. <laughs> See, um, you got to factor that in. And he's probably going to bring a lot of good cigars and booze with him, but I don't drink anymore. So I don't know, man. That's a coin flip for me, I guess. I don't know. 
No question. No, no, uh, no answer. Actually. <laughs> we'll, we'll let yeah. them two guys fight it out. Yeah. There you go. There you go. You just hang out there and be like, all right, you win. <laughs> right. Well, John, you know, the big reason we were uh, having you on, because we wanted to talk about the new line you're, you know, launched at PCA, Lavaredo. We're smoking yes. it here. We got the, uh, the 54. Nice. And, you know, give us the details, the nuts and bolts about the cigar, you know, the kind of boring stuff. And then you can tell us actually the story behind it. Yeah, man, the boring stuff, there's nothing boring about this cigar. I'm like, really, I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm smoking the same things that I'm man. doing the 56 right now. Um, the boring stuff is wrapper binder filler. Wrapper is a four-year-old, minimum four years to age, uh, Nicaraguan, shade-grown, in Jalapa wrapper um, that Ernesto really kind of opened the vault for me and let me use. Um, he doesn't use it on a lot of cigars. He uses it on Encore, which got Cigar of the Year in 2018 from Cigar Aficionado. Um, that's, that's the exciting part there. The, the binder is also from Jalapa, which adds an, another layer of like sweetness and richness to it. Um, the filler is a combination of Nicaraguan and Dominican. Uh, we've got Esteli Lejero in there. We've got Esteli Seco. We got a little Viso Jalapa and then a little Piloto Cubano from, uh, from the DR to add a little zest to it. And those, those fillers have been aged a minimum of three years. Once all the Labrador cigars are rolled, they're aged a minimum of 90 days before they're even put in the box, before we even ship them to the stores. That's the boring stuff. The exciting stuff is just that, you know, the, the, the timeline of how this took me on this journey of creating this cigar with Ernie. I mean, first of all, you know, all, all credit to Ernesto Perez Carrillo. I mean, he's like the, they call him the godfather of boutique cigars. But for me, there's like a Mount Rushmore in this industry. And Carlito has his face up there along with like, Padron, Fuente, maybe Lito, you know, that kind of thing, the Garcias, what have you. So um, just an honor to be able to work on something like this with him. And um, what, how it started was back in Feb, March of 22, I decided that I wanted to do a regular production cigar with Ernesto um, because we hadn't done anything on a regular production level with him since 2020 when we did Capa Especial. So the way it started and the way it ended was complete 180. We started, my idea was to create something like a modern version of El Rico Habano, which you guys don't remember this, but in the 90s, Ernie was famous for two cigars, La Gloria Cubana and then El Rico Habano. El Rico Habano, for me, surpassed La Gloria Cubana. It was just like heavy, strong, robust. So I wanted to throw back to a cigar like that, which got Ernie excited. And we worked on that idea in that lane for the better part of uh, of the year. And then literally like October, November, he just sent me a, a WhatsApp, said, hey, starting from scratch, we're going to start all over again. I'm like, oh, really? I mean, because I had literally, by that point, I had approved the blend. The blend was where I wanted it to be. I had packaging that was production ready. I just had to say go. I had paid my, my graphics guy thousands of dollars to, oh, to design, and then we were just going to scrap it and start all over again. And so basically, Ernie at that point said, hey, I want you to use these tobaccos. It was kind of like, you know, the vault opens up and it's like, okay, you can use this wrapper, these fillers. You know, I've, I've got inventory, da, 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 da. And off we went to create what became La Beretta. And so that packaging actually underwent uh, three renditions. The first one, which he didn't like, which I never usually like lean into Ernie for packaging direction. I kind of do my own thing. Tobacco is a different topic. Um, so we, we went, I tried version two and he says, yeah, that's better. But it wasn't like he was terribly excited, but I wanted him to be proud um, of this release because of, of what he allowed me to work with in terms of materials. 
and just because he was like emotionally invested in this as well. So the third version is what you guys see now is what we launched at the trade show, which is a very, has a really high end luxury kind of a brand feel to it. Um, and I'm very proud of it. I'm very proud of how it turned out. And, um, I'm excited to have the people actually smoking it so that they can tell, you know, th- this is what we were working so hard on. So typically, I mean, crown heads, they, aside from maybe like the mule kick special editions, you guys don't really put too much crazy thought into the boxes. Uh, you know, you know, like yeah. your four kicks lines are just the basic cedar boxes. It almost looks like they're branded in. Um, but you know, creating that, you know, luxurious feel, um, I gotta, I gotta feel that, you know, EP definitely appreciates that considering everything that guy puts out, his boxes are so luxurious and, yeah. you know, uh, just you get this no, like he was, royalty he was, feel. Yeah, he was very, very uh, on board with the, the final uh, version of it. And for that final version of it, I kind of got inspiration from outside of the cigar industry. I didn't want to, like, look inside our lane. I wanted to go out. I said, all right, let's look at, at various uh, luxury brands like Patek <sighs> Philippe. Uh, Cartier, Louis Vuitton. Actually, Louis Vuitton was instrumental because I wanted to do a lockup of the L and the V like Louis Vuitton, but I didn't want it to look like Louis Vuitton. So what she saw was our version of that lockup with the L and V, which some people mistakenly just look at as a V, but it's an LV. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, I just looked at it, and now I finally yeah. see the locked up letters. I, I thought yeah, it was just the, the V. The, yep, yep, yeah. now I see the L. So um, that's where we drew our, our inspiration or basically our inspo board was from, from you know, high-end luxury brands and, and things of that nature outside of the industry. So um, and I think Ernie was very proud of it. And I'm very proud of how it turned out. I mean, it took a, a lot of different people. I mean, the bands are made in one place. The boxes are made in a different place. The cigars are made in another place. The inserts are made in a different place. The, the bunch ribbon is made in a different – there's like five or six different entities to bring it all together um to make what you see as the final product so and which was interesting because at the trade show the the one reaction i got from a lot of like people that were asking for interviews and questions what have you was just this doesn't look like a crown heads release and i'm like i don't know whether to take that as a compliment or you know what i mean i was like is that a good thing or a bad thing but i understand what you're saying because when we first started like when we started shipping four kicks in november of 11 I wanted the exact opposite effect because we were coming from nobody knew who we were basically. And I wanted the, the, the subliminal perception to be, Oh, the, the, the money's going into the cigar, not the box. They don't care about the box. I wanted plain understated, unvarnished cabinet boxes. Like, like what Pete did, uh, you know, eight years prior to that with Tatuaje, I was like, that cigar could have been in a brown paper bag and it was so good that people would have bought it regardless. I didn't want to make a comparison, but you're spot oh, no, on. I, I mean, absolutely. like I look at like their TAA boxes and you, you know, a lot of like their Fausto line. And mm-hmm. I mean, the boxes are so similar. No, I absolutely. I mean, look, I mean, not to go off on a tangent, but if there was no Pete Johnson, there would be no illusion. There would be no crown heads. There would be no foundation. The list goes on. I mean, to me, Pete really opened the door for that boutique centric, kind of lane in, in the premium industry because at, in, prior to 2003 when he came on it was a different business because i was working with cao at the time and um it was like you just you had guys that would go into the stores and they would say oh give me my box of h upman for the week or give me my macanudo high park or whatever there wasn't a lot outside of the, of the the standard you know brands to choose from and then pete came on and it was like changed the game you know he 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 would tell you that Tony Barani was the first to do it in the, the late 90s with Bahia. 
there's some some credence to that, but I think Pete really, really kind of paved the road for the rest of us to follow. So, I mean, I just took a page out of his book. I'm like, I want this to be like simple, understated. Um, and that was great for 2011, but you know, now we're in 2023 and it's a different marketplace. It's a different company that we're in. And, um, I wanted to do something special. Yeah. I I think you definitely succeeded in that. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm definitely like when we do our reviews, I incorporate like boxes into my appearance of the cigar. Mm -hmm. Cause obviously when a consumer sees that on the shelf, these flashy lacquer, you know, shiny Mm -hmm. gloss boxes, they're going to draw your eye and that's what they're meant to do. But a lot of times that just drives the price up and not necessarily the quality up. Understood. hundred yeah. percent. I mean, I, I would agree with that. However, like in this case, really what would dictated the price was the aging of the tobaccos. I mean, mm-hmm. it's one thing to use tobacco, but when you've got to like buy tobacco and procure it and sit on it for three, four five years, there's a financial investment that goes along with it, which mm-hmm. drives the price of the tobacco up as well. Um, it was largely the materials driven. I mean, this is the nicest box I think we've ever done. I hats off to Tony Gomez of La Flor Dominicana. He's the one that basically, um, that created, well, we designed the box, but it was produced at his box factory. Um, I was very happy with it, but truth be told, the box wasn't nearly the cost driver as the tobaccos were. That makes sense. I mean, yeah, like obviously, uh, Age tax is a thing. Like, you know, we drink a lot of bourbon, so we know how that goes with, you know, the aging of bourbon and so that, you know. Right. Uh, when it comes to, obviously, crown heads, I'll tell you, man, like, I I geek out on your guys' stuff. I chase a lot of your older things. Like, I mean, I've got everything from Angel's Anvil from, mm. you know, back in the day. I've got Mason Dixon North. Like, That was a cool concept. I'm glad you brought that one up because when we did that in 14 and 15, um, this also ties back to Pete because I had this idea in 2014 to do a regional release and I ran it by Pete first, uh, just, you know, honor code kind of thing. And he says, Hey, I goes, I think that's a cool idea, but as long as you don't do East West, cause he was doing like the, uh, can't remember what it was called, but he had like East West thing, a very cool kind of this East coast, West coast. Thing. So I said, well, okay, let's chop it up North and South. And then I was like, okay, what's the division line? And I just remember the Mason-Dixon line was mm-hmm. divided. So at that time, it was great and it was fun. And we did like a Connecticut shade versus a, a Maduro. And then we flip-flopped them the next year. And really interesting concept that mm-hmm. thought had some legs to it. And then, you know, you fast forward to like, what, four or five years later, and this whole cancel culture thing came up. And I started to see things like, you know, oh, boycott crown heads because they're racist because they had a Mason-Dixon release. And I'm like, that what that was just like about you know dividing <laughs> two sections of the country i'm like i there was nothing racially intended oh, about it but i would never be able to bring that one back now as a result of that so that's unfortunate because it was really it, it was it was you know so but yeah. whatever geo actually gave me one of those uh over the summer last year right yeah i mean this thing was just the the cello was like brown yellow i mean it was yeah. it was crazy uh I, I fantastic of uh, the the 14 South, I think, was when we did Connecticut. It was Ecuador, Connecticut, a light color wrapper, but it had so much flavor and so much body to it. And I remember, then this was going back nine years, but I still remember it, that Half Wheel Charlie Monado said it was one of the best Connecticut cigars he's had since Cabai Juan, which I've always been a fan of that oh, Pete did. Man. So I was <laughs> you're, like, You're speaking my language. That, That's one of yeah, my Yeah, that, that made me feel really good because I was always a fan of that cigar that he did. So, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate that we can't bring that one back, but. Move on. So, 
come up with some different names. There, yeah. there might be something to do a North South. I haven't name. seen so many people doing regional like you know releases. I just thought it would be fun to, you know, well, a retailer couldn't get the the North and they can swap out and you know that kind of a thing. I feel like you see so, a lot of store exclusives now, like uh, you know stores bringing on you know their own cigars yeah. tied into things. Uh, as far yeah. as regional stuff, I'm I'm. I can't even think of one that's come out in the last couple of years. So I, mean, I can't either. Pete hasn't done his in a while either. Yeah. The like, East West thing. You guys had your obviously like the Tennessee Waltz, the Yellow Rose, mm-hmm. and um, uh, what was the Texas one? Was it um, that is Yellow Rose? Texas. Oh, yes, Yellow Rose. Rose. I, uh, the There's Buckeye. A, Buckeye Land. That was yeah. Ohio. Yeah. Which was a I mean. it was a great cigar, but we just couldn't get any more of it from uh, Drew Estate. Um, I worked on that one with Willie Herrera. Yeah. yeah. And, and I then, think I can't remember what year that came out. But it came and went, and I still get questions about it. But, you know, we, we had a, a really short foray into working with uh, DE, and they're just such a big machine, man. It's just it, a, a small guy like us just gets lost in the mix. It's like when I would call them up with an idea, and they're like, "You when do you want to do this? And I was like, well, I was hoping to do it later this year, you know. Oh, no, we're making our demand plan for two years from now. So, oh, wow. and I'm just, you know, what? So, yeah. I mean, we just can't function on that. So, we... That's why we scrapped La Coalition. That's why we scrapped uh, Buckeye Land. I'm thinking just in the last, we'll say five months, I mean, look at everything Crown Heads has done, though. I mean, you yeah. say you're a little guy, but, I mean. Blowing uh, up. Las Calaveras. Uh, you obviously dropped the new uh, Ecuadorian mule kick this year. Right, right. Um, La Verreta. Mm-hmm. The uh, Las Calaveras with the Broadleaf this year, which is a fantastic yeah, cigar. Thank really you. good cigar. Yeah. It's yeah. it's interesting you say that we're just kind of blowing up. It's like the perception is like that it's recent, but it's literally the same thing we've been doing for probably the last, I'd say, eight, nine years. I mean, it's the same blueprint that we've released. These are all just like annual seasonal things that we've been doing. Um, Calaveras going back to 14, Mule Kick going back to 12. Um, nothing really new out of the box. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, it's, I, maybe people are just kind of catching on now. Just take some time. I'm not sure. But um, they definitely should be catching on. They should be. And (laughs) ever since we've had Miguel and Jake on, I can say I've been a growing fan. And when I see you guys in shops, I got to I got to have at least one. I got to buy something. Thank you. I mean, we're you know, listen, the truth is we're really fortunate to work with like amazing partners in the tobacco material side of it. You know, I mean, we're working with, you know, the Garcia family. We're working with Ernesto Perez Carrillo right out of the gate. Those two, like, you know, they make me look a lot better than what we really are. Um, I mean, you, and then you said they're the Rushmore, with, right? Yeah, hundred percent. And then Noxa, that's really a kind of like a, a hidden gem for me. Working with Noxa and uh, Gustavo Cura and Raúl Disla over there. Um, you guys probably—they're not household names, but um, if you know like any of Steve Saka stuff, like Mikarida and stuff like mm-hmm. that, they're mm-hmm. the ones behind that in terms of production. Um, so we're working with those guys in La Patissier. We did a Zulioto with them. Ooh, that, was, um, that was actually one of our favorite cigars last year. I think it was in our one? top five. Uh, the Azuli Oro. Yeah. yeah, that one really kind of like people slept on it. I was surprised. It, that was wow. done. I wanted just to drop that to announce the fact that we have a working relationship with them because I knew that I was moving production of Le Petitier over to them. So I just wanted to kind of like, okay, these are our new friends at Noxa. And boom, here's Le Petitier. Um, and then we also work with Radio Pichardo on Mil Diaz and Juarez. And... Um, yeah, we've those two have been you know steady for us as well. So yeah, we we got some good folks to work with. So you know we're fortunate. 
Yeah, I mean, your guys' brand is, I've probably smoked the most of your core stuff. I'd have, you know, Imperiosa, Mildias, mm-hmm. um, let me think here. La Patessier. Patessier, all that. Patessier is excellent. Sfumato. Uh, I was a big fan of the uh, Torpedo this year. Oh, the number two. Yeah. 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 That was a PCA exclusive. But you know, it's interesting. I made this comment in another interview. It was like, so we do two exclusives, one for the TAA, which you guys know is the Lost Angel or, mm-hmm. or Angel's Anvil prior to that. And then we do one for the PCA, which we've done for three years now. I guess this is our third year. And even though the TAA only really has 70 shops that you sell to, we do more in volume with those 70 shops on that exclusive than the entire PCA organization supports the PCA exclusive, which blows my mind. I'm like, I, so I'm not, I'm not sure what the future of PCA exclusives are for us. Um, you know, they do okay. But I thought they would be more embraced the way TAA embraces uh, their exclusive. Yeah. I mean, what I've noticed typically in the industry, PCA, they don't really have that like annual yearly tie to it. doesn't have that collector's feel like, mm-hmm. you know, Lost Cows. I got back to 2016. If I could find some 14s and 15s, I'd buy them in a heartbeat. Yeah. Uh, like maybe that has something to do with that. Like recently, like even like you talk about TAT, like they did a PCA exclusive last year and then this year. It actually has like a year the year on it, which is yeah. stupid, but it actually, for whatever reason, sounds like it would make a difference. The Maybe. extra band. Yeah. Yeah, it has that the extra be. band this year. It well, I, I tried to make it special for the PCA. I changed the coloration of the box, um, put PCA exclusive on the box. It looked really it looked really sexy. It was a black box of gold on it. So those will actually probably be hitting later in September. So we'll see what the reception mm-hmm. is. I have a feeling. I mean, that the Patissier as a brand is just... I mean, that cigar smokes so well, and um, it's just a matter of getting in people's hands and and then figuring it out. I've gifted that to a lot of people that, like, say they get scared because it's, like, the darker wrapper. Yeah, yeah. And, like, they're like, oh, wow, that thing is amazing. It is. It's it's a really – and, again, that's Raul Disla. That's Gustavo Cura. Gustavo, his main job was always – uh, running Pro Sanixa for the Oliva family, not Oliva cigars, but Oliva tobacco. Okay. So I've known Gus for forever. In fact, he was he was the guy that was really instrumental in getting Mike, my business partner, and I meetings in Nicaragua back in 2011. Um, so I've, I've known Gus for a while, and he nobody knows tobacco like he does. So he gets first grab at all the best of the best, broadleaf and everything. Um, so we're, we're in good good hands right there with Noxa for sure. Another uh, PCA you guys dropped that I think a lot of people slept on. Thankfully, they did because I was able to get a lot of them. Uh, the Sfumato and C Major. What a fantastic breakfast cigar that is, man. You know, I knew you were going to say that before you said it, actually, because I felt the same way. I it, I thought that that cigar was just like with a cup of coffee. Fantastic. Perfect cigar. I wanted to do some. I was so tired of doing heavy heavy cigars dark wrappers and you know i was just at a point where i'm like i'm gonna change it up i'm gonna do something the complete opposite of what everybody's expecting i'm gonna do this connecticut ecuador make it light rich buttery um and i did and it completely you know i don't know if you could swear on this thing but it shit the bed basically (laughs) say whatever you want want, (laughs) okay okay it it way underperformed let's let's put it that way um and i was shocked you know that it, it didn't do as well but i was like okay because you know lesson learned i so. can think of like four times that i like sat outside and which is kind of a lot because i'm not like a motoring <laughs> smoker but yeah. like i go out on my back deck and i'm just like sitting there uh 
smoking that. And I'm a coffee with cream guy. I like cream and sugar. So not like a crazy amount, but just like one in one. And, yeah. you know, just like the, the creaminess of the cigar with the coffee. I mean, man, it's a it's an experience that, I mean, it's unfortunate that people slept on that. But they're still out there. So They are. They are. It's an elegant cigar. I really yeah. liked it. And um, maybe the concept itself was a little too esoteric, a little bit too crazy. Um, I've learned that as well. It could be part of it. And I would... Definitely recommend that for someone like who's just like, okay. like, hey, let me get something that's not going to knock me on my ass. Like, right. And I've given quite a few away for the exact same reason. Uh, you know, guys, mm-hmm. they smoke these gas station cigars. They're like, yeah, I don't really like cigars. I'm like, well, listen, try this yep, one. You haven't had one. Let yet. me know. <laughs> let me know what you think. I mean, I, I feel like a nice light cigar, you know, maybe more to the medium side of things is like the perfect gateway into getting into premium cigars. Uh, I'm definitely not going to. My, my very first premium cigar was a Macanudo Hyde Park. Yeah. It was my last Macanudo I ever smoked. <laughs> but I, that was my first premium cigar. I remember yeah. that. And I just never went back to it. But it, to your point, exactly. It was a gateway cigar that led me on to other things that I explored and, and developed my palate and kind of, you know. So you were a little bit of a music it. guy when you, you, you know, was a younger guy, right? Uh, before no, not, cigars. Not, I mean, that, that's a misconception. Everybody thinks that I'm some musician because I have tattoos or something and, and all that. But no, I just music has always been a big part of my everything. Like if, if somebody said you can either have, you know, watch TV or listen to music in your house, pick one. One's got to go out 100 percent go with music. I mean, I I wake up, I listen to music, I, I'm working, I listen to music, I, you know, everything's just music driven. So I think maybe the question got, or, you know, the, the statement got misunderstood. I didn't mean like you play instruments and stuff. I, I mean, okay. like you, you're into music. I know a lot of mm-hmm. the cigars Crownheads puts out. They all have background ties to, you know, specific bands or songs. And, Kings of Leon. Yeah. Kings of Leon, Johnny Cash, Led Zeppelin. Van Halen was in the. Back. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, if I had to do it all over again with, with like Siri E, um, I, I probably wouldn't have even made the allusion to Eruption or Van Halen. I think I would have just called it Crownhead Serie E. And I think the cigar would have performed three times as well as it did. Because I think I had this thing in my head. I went down this rabbit hole of like, I was listening to Eruption. I was like, oh, that sonically sounds like the act of smoking this cigar. And I really, I went down and I broke it down to like every little change in the solo and all that. And it went right over everybody's head. And everybody's <laughs> like, oh, the Eddie Van Halen cigar? Yeah, the Eddie Van Halen cigar. I'm like, no, it's not the Van Halen cigar. It's like <laughs> sonically inspired by the guitar solo eruption from Van Halen 1 by Edward Van Halen, blah, blah, blah. It's just, I mean, you got to explain it that many times. It's just, it's a miss. So I, you know, I, I try to stay away from that. I'm not going to so, go down there anymore. So, John, besides music and some of the artists that you like and stuff, where else do you draw your inspiration for coming up with your blends, the names, the design? Um, is it music? Is it fashion? Is it just like your day to day life and how you all of the above, all everything, all of the above. I mean, in terms of like designing, like the apparel and, mm-hmm. and all that, that's skate culture. I mean, I grew up on a skateboard. Um, I did, skate, I did too, actually San Francisco. You? you grew up. Yeah, yeah, I did too. Yeah. That's, that was my mode of transportation. <laughs> I couldn't do an ollie, but I could carve down. A hill, I'll be honest, you know I, mean? I was like a rollerblader, but I was like a oh, hockey really? player. So, like when inline skates came, I wasn't like one of the the fruit booters as we would call them <laughs> yeah. back in the day. But uh, you know, I, I I just 
I always had my inline skates, so uh, you know, I had like a dyno bike, and some fucking asshole in the neighborhood stole it. Yeah, uh, and you know, so I just rollerbladed. You know, I'm stupid. I left it on the front lawn, and my, you know, I'm so naive and stupid and young, and I'm like, that's oh, no one will steal around. my like, bike. You know, if we had to get to like you know baseball practice or soccer practice, we just grab our board and just you know ride down the street and try to knock a hit by a car. Um, <laughs> the truth, but man. yeah. So I, as far as inspiration from that, like streetwear skate um you know blend inspirations can come from anywhere and everything from music to art um you know the one the one thing i try to stay away from is our our industry i try not to like i don't pay attention to what like everybody else is doing because then i feel like if i did that it would just be i'd be a me too i'd be just following the leader so i try to do stuff that's just inspired by things outside of the cigar world well, I think you're definitely nailing that, especially with the uh, the whole hat thing you got going on. I I can't even keep up. Every time uh, Jake's in town, he's got a new two or three hats. Uh, I mean, I can't even keep up. You know, I have... I'm a, I'm obsessed. I literally I'm not in my office. I'm in the conference room right now. But in my office on my desk, I have a, a file that's probably about three to four inches thick, and that entire file is every hat we've designed, hats that we have in the design queue hats that are in production that have been ordered and we've never repeated the same design twice how many hats we've done i couldn't even tell you but i do know we have a guy in um in oregon brian shout out brian if you ever listen to this and he has he he told me when he purchased a few hats ago he's like i now have bought over a hundred of your hats (laughs) yeah so i mean i know we've designed (laughs) over a hundred so and never, never the same one twice and you're wearing the perfect one for today's episode. You know, we're all smoking the same thing, and you got the perfect hat on. You know, listen, I grew up in San Francisco. I'm a Giants fan, and I hate. I, ah, look at yeah, the, Dodgers, the Dodgers, L.A. Yeah, right. So I never would be caught dead wearing a Dodgers hat. And then I, I for some reason, this idea came to me, and I was just like, I'm gonna fuck with this. And so I, I literally, <laughs> I, I took it and I just went to a, a kiosk in a mall and I just had it made. And I was just like, this is kind of cool. So. And then it's, here just, he is. it's just a one-off. I mean, I would get sued royally with a massive cease and desist if I put this yeah. in the production. <laughs> well, you know, when we get that Bills parody hat, you know, we'll get you know, this is the Buffalo. third time it's been go. mentioned, John. Um, I know somebody else is. Who else is asking me for a Bills hat? Oh. It's know. hard to riff I, off I, the I, Bills. I, like, I, it's, I keep it's having a Buffalo. You put the Buffalo on it, man. That thing would look and sweet. The smoking Buffalo. The smoking <laughs> Buffalo. I've got one that's coming. Actually, it's dropping next week. Because so we're like bone dry. We sold out of everything. It's, it was crazy. This, we did a Calaveras hat. Gone. Uh, we did the... What Caleb else? has it right next to him. I'm almost positive. Yeah, you guys got me this when you were at PCA. I there you go. Yeah. Um, that was oh, a cool so anyway, we, we're dry, but we got a shipment coming in. And it's a riff off of... Uh, you guys know that Rolling Stones logo with the tongue? Yes. Yep. Yeah. But I, I didn't... They're very like litigious about that trademark, that, that look. So I took that and I put like teeth in the mouth with a gold tooth and you still got the lips and everything. But then I put a cigar burning out of that thing. And then it's just kind of this goth kind of thing says, get heads. So <laughs> yeah. I, I, wanted, I wanted something that <laughs> I wanted something that would be a little offensive to people. So I, I like think it. I, I think uh, that's right up our alley. I, I like that yeah. you tiptoed the line. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I appreciate the, that kind the of make America lifestyle. smoke again hat right yeah. now. Yeah. yeah that one went that pretty quick too. I, mean, I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. And you got the camo, you got the American flag. It's a dope hat. <laughs> that is cool. We, there's actually, I got one that's going to come. This one will probably be end of, what are we in? August? Probably beginning of October. 
but it's that same camo, but it's all black. And then we did a black on, we blacked the whole thing out with this cool crown heads logo on a black camo hat. And it's nice. It's really nice. I, if you can't tell, I get as much joy out of designing the headwear as I do working on the you cigars. Know, we've been, oh, you know, we've been told, we've been told, fun. you, 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 yeah, you know, you got, it's, it's a crown heads thing. Like, you know, Miguel's got his thing going with that, you know, mm-hmm. Jake's got his fancy hats that he gets custom made for $600. I, is that what was that what he paid for? I think he said that. I right? think it was think, way more oh, than maybe. that. I thought he said six, oh but it could be more. That hat, wow. you know, the hat we're talking about, right, John? Yeah, yeah, he wore it at the trade show. That fucking hat is <laughs> that thing's fucking something, huh? That's he, it had a fucking kind of cigar his, in it, and it he had like a, cigar a playing card in the side and all that. Yeah, yeah. yeah the thing was very cool. I think uh, he had just got it when he came on our show the uh, back funny. in May. Yeah, I have a picture of me wearing it, so I I'm took I took it off his head, I put it on. <laughs> That thing went right over his entire head. It's pretty cool. Back in the day when I was a CAO, I used to wear fedoras a lot, like vintage fedoras and shit like that. And then, like, everybody started wearing them. And I'm like, okay, can't do that. So went to the baseball hats, started designing those. It's funny you mentioned the Rolling Stone logo because there's a lot of, like, riffs uh, here in Buffalo. You know, there's a lot of companies that start up and... You know they definitely tiptoe like insane amount of trademarks and you oh, know yeah. that yeah they're playing with fire. But they yeah. did a uh, I'm, I'm sure you're familiar uh, with uh, like the Zuba's lines, the pants like Zuba pants exactly. Yeah. So it was the yeah, tongue, yeah. but it was the Bill Zuba's color. Ah, okay, okay, okay. okay. So they kind of did like a riff cool. on that. Yeah, it looks pretty cool. I've done a ton of that kind of stuff. I've done stuff with just our logo, you know, whatever, and I've done stuff that did a riff on Krispy Kreme and I did, you know, crown heads and it was like delicious. And it was just fun, man. But th- that stuff is done all the time. People act like I'm doing something out of the box, but I'm not, I'm just doing like, again, skate culture does it all the time. Yeah. Um, it's, it's no big deal. It's just having fun doing a riff on something that kind of like, Oh yeah, I've seen that somewhere before. Yeah, that's cool. Dude, I'm 33 no. and I still get shit for wearing my, my vans and my van shit. And you know, I, Dude, I'm a lot older than you. Yeah, there they are, man. There they are. Uh, it's just my. It's just comfortable, man. It's just like you ain't kidding. Every like almost all my shoes, if they're not like nice boots, yeah, like a Sorel or something, I'm wearing like uh, I'm wearing the the skater vans. Uh, what I the checkered and Chuck Taylors. I know I'm too old for that shit, but I remember like one of the first trade shows I did as Crowned Heads. I had a pair of Vans I just loved. They were slip-ons, and they were just ratty as all get out. I mean, they were so bad that there were, like, holes in them. Huh. And I put duct tape over the holes, and Dude. I did the trade show. I think no you'll shoes. appreciate these, man. And, I, I won't let them go, man. There you go. <laughs> I won't let them go. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And it's like it's like an old friend, right? And I remember my father-in-law, we had just gotten married, and my father-in-law says, oh, you know, you're a business owner now, and you should dress the part. And I'm like, look, I'm going to be straight with you. I worked my butt off to become a business owner to earn the right to wear whatever the I want. And so I'm not wearing a tie and I'm not wearing a shirt with a collar. This is who I am. Take it or leave it. So, you know, now his his daughter has a nice house and she has a nice life. And I think he's okay with it now. He He did it your way. There's a lot of that in the cigar industry, man, especially yeah. at the PCA. Who can dress the nicest? Uh, who has the best I, watch? I, the flashiest outfit. I was I was still a CAO, and one year, like they put this mandate in that everybody had to be in shirt and tie, and we were going to be like all like you know suited up and whatever. I was like, oh fuck, this sucks. Not in that Vegas heat. I I did it, and I remember at the trade show, Michael Herklotz, who's probably the best dressed person 
in the business. Very fancy, for sure. Very fancy guy, right? Very Buffalo okay. guy. Yeah. yeah. He well, comes he married a Buffalo girl. He comes up to me and he says, he goes, dude, he goes, you look miserable. And, I <laughs> and he told me, I'll never forget that. He goes, he goes, you need to just be yourself. Don't, if you're not comfortable with this, be yourself. And that was the last time I did that. I literally never, you know, the last time I wore in a suit was my grandmother's funeral in 2017. Um, and that was it. I just I fucking hate it. Should just cut the fucking sleeves off, cut, uh, left a couple of buttons, know. <laughs> uh, you know, a little uh, Billy Joel Armstrong Green yeah, Day right? style or something. Something. I just, it's just not me. It's just, you just got to be authentic to who you really are. And I just wasn't wired that way. So, you know, that's just, that's what I, what I'm wearing right now is probably what I wore to the trade show. So it's just, this is what I do. But it just looks normal on you, yeah, though. That's so how, like, because that's I how feel it should. Normal. But that's, that's, I, that's how it should I mean? be. Like, exactly. That's you. By, be the you. other side of the coin is like, can you imagine Michael Herklotz dressed like this? He would probably look out of place and out of sorts and be like, you know, he'd feel like an idiot. So that's the industry, though. We're not always appealing to this business executive guy who only smokes a cigar when he closes a multi-million dollar no, deal. Not at all. Like, that's a misconception. It's the everyday guy. Like, yeah, cigars have always been like the common denominator. Like you can go into a shop and it's like. The plumber could be sitting across from the lawyer, could be sitting across from the bricklayer, and they'll all be able to have a conversation about what they're smoking, whatever. And if there's all those socioeconomic barriers are like gone when you're smoking a cigar. You That's one of the things I really like. We always say that. Always mm-hmm. touch on it. Tim Tim Osgener's pretty well dressed. He's always yeah, in a nice suit. He's fancy. Yeah, he's he's definitely <laughs> He's fancy. Sometimes he tries to wear like the hip shoes or the hip this, that, and the other, but yeah. Does it look funny? Tim, to me, it does. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wouldn't tell that to Tim. Yeah. Um, no, he and I have been. God, man, I've known Tim longer than I know my wife. I, I, we've we've been doing this on and off since '96. So I, I started yeah. with CAO in '96. Yeah. So that was why I wanted to. I was tying this into the, my next question. I was okay. gonna, I was going to talk about your start. I know uh, when you first started in the cigar industry. I mean, I've heard you refer to it as the yellow pages going through, making phone calls, yeah. trying to True. get into the industry. and whole different you know, time, man. Yeah, it makes you know, me feel really old because all that shit is gone now. But yeah, yeah when, I, when I first really kind of figured out that that's what I wanted to do, it was a question of like, how do I get my foot in the door? And, you know, going back to then, there was no social media. You couldn't slide <laughs> into a company's DMs. There was no, I only think there was email at that point. You know, it was like literally old school. And um, I went to a local tobacconist and asked them, can I work for them for seven bucks an hour? And they're like, no, we don't need anybody. I'm like, okay. Um, I got a copy of Cigar Fishing Out magazine, wrote down addresses, and I had a little word processor at the time. And I would like type letters out, mail the letters, and cross my fingers, you know, that kind of shit. And um, it's what's funny about the guy that I asked for a job at the retail tobacconist. Like once I got my gig at CAO, he came a year later asking us for a job. And I'm like, we don't need you. Sorry. Oh, oh man. Isn't him. it funny how everything comes full circle? It does. You got to watch out, right? Um, but yeah, that's how I got my gig. I just, I literally, the last ad in that magazine was for a company called CAO. It was CAO Enterprises at the time. It wasn't even international, I think. And it was 830 Kendall Drive, Nashville. And I had moved to Nashville like a year before or whatever. And I was like, this is kind of serendipitous. So I sent off the letter and heard nothing for months forgot all about it and i was just like damn kind of like whatever and one day i got the call from Jono, and um that was tim's like, dad right that was tim's dad now yeah. what ties tim back into this is like the letter was sitting on his dad's desk all that time tim came back to visit saw the letter and he read it 
And he said, hey, you know, you probably need somebody to help, Dad. Why don't you give this guy a call? He seems like he really wants to be involved with the business. And John was like, yeah, really? He said, yeah, give him a call. Had he not done that, I don't know that I'd be talking to you right now. So, yeah, man. Pretty crazy. Yeah, it was, was kind of cool how that all worked out. Because at that time, Tim was on the, the West Coast. He was really just doing, like, he was selling CAO stuff part-time, and he was getting a comedy acting gig off the ground over there. Wasn't really, you know, on a day-to-day. And then I got involved with it, and then – it was about two years later that Tim moved back to Nashville and got full-time in the business. So speaking of Tim, how is your guys' collab working out? I know you guys have like the Ozheads podcast and all, but mm-hmm. how is everything working out with you guys? It seems great. Yeah, it's, it's, been, it's been great. Um, when, two years ago when, when my business partner, Mike Condor, told me, hey, Tim wants to come back, I'm like, great, you know, let's, let's, let's go. I mean, I said my only thing was I just want to be – able to stay in my lane and not have that impact the crown heads culture. Cause we'd already spent a decade developing that. And I didn't want to like, you know, like art direct his thing. Cause I didn't want it to look like a retread of crown heads. So it was like, that's fine. You know, we, we were, so Tim has his designer he works with and he has his ideas and his concepts and I have mine. And then we do the podcast together and it's all part of crowned heads. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it, there's still you can see a different stylistic mm-hmm. approach towards doing things definitely um which is which is nice yeah they did you know, some it's, it's, crazy stuff too like that aramas was a phenomenal cigar yeah I, you know he's stepped into ernie's factory so yeah. ernie did bosphorus and aramis um and um you know again it's all about the materials you use and uh so it's you know i it's it. The one weird thing was like Tim kind of like, you know, he had been out of the business for a dozen years and things changed so drastically in those 12 years. Marketplace was different. Companies were different. And I just, I remember the first meeting we had in this conference room between Mike and Tim and I, and it was prior to the trade show of last year. It was like in January or something. And so we're like, okay, what are we going to talk about? And I said, well, I got my list here. I want to talk about this timeline and this tobacco and product development and where we're going to launch this. It was very, you know, materials generated. And then Tim's first question was, well, who's going to play the party? And we're like, no, there's, there's no party. He said, well, I thought we can get Chris Stapleton to play the party. Because back in the CAO <laughs> days, we had these elaborate parties. Like I, I remember I had a book, Leonard Skinner played one of our parties. Uh, we had shit. Tommy Lee. Cool. Wow. That was my gig. I was at, at CAO. So I Did he play the, the uh, free bird? The, the, the eight play, solo? I didn't get to see him. <laughs> I literally, I, I spent the better part of a year working on that event. Um, got the band, got the writer, got all the shit, the lighting, the sound, all that crap. I was like production manager basically at that point. And um, the sad part is I never got inside the venue to even see one song. Oh, I was no. I was working between the VIP line and making sure so-and-so gets in and da-da-da-da-da-da. Yeah, I never, I was always the, the odd bird out on that one, so. Isn't it a lot nicer being a guest sometimes than it is, you know, hosting, hosting something? Oh, God, yeah. God, yeah. I felt like that at my own wedding. Uh, I, I looked at my wedding. I saw what it was. I was like, God damn, I would love to be a guest at this Just wedding. Just have fun. Yeah, relax and have fun. <laughs> oh, my God. Our photographer was up my ass the whole time. Mm-hmm. Fucking, oh, I just sit down. Uh, I'm eating my first meal with my wife. We're having a steak. The photographer's like, the sun's coming down right now. It would be a perfect shot. I'm <laughs> like, grab you and take a picture. I'm yeah. like, listen, I don't want to sound like an asshole, but can I just eat my fucking steak with my wife and just go eat your meal? We bought you a meal. Go eat. Yeah, exactly. It was a lot. That was that was very similar to my experience with that. It was just kind of like I'd get, 
you know, text or somebody call my earphone, like, hey, someone's at the door, they need to get in. Go escort them to the VIP, all that shit. It was just like, and then we had Tommy oh. Lee one year. He DJed a party oh, God. for us. And that was an experience. Damn. That was the dirt. <laughs> Motley yeah, fucking dude, crew, was, man. Jeez. That was, oh my God. I, I could, yeah, that was, that was, See, I spent, yeah, it was, it was fun. We had a good time. We had a really good time. Yeah, the CAO, I mean, obviously, like, so the most I know about CAO, they were kind of were, you know, is like the Soprano cigar. That's what I thought mm-hmm. of, like, when I learned about them. And I think that, like, you guys had that association with them for a while. And yep. then it just, I can only imagine the randomness and then having a bunch of the... It was, if I look back at it now, it was very surreal in, in some respects. Like, I still have James Gandolfini's phone and number in my, my phone. And I just, oh, man, for whatever wow. reason, I just can't, like... I can't delete it. You can't. Like, it was hard to believe he died. You know what I mean? Oh, that's sad. That's, um, yeah, that's like I, when a family member dies and you can't take their number out of your phone. I, exactly. Oh, that's it's, crazy. It's kind of like that. Well, and, you're thinking um, of like one of the greatest villains that you fall in love with. He like, was it's dude, such my, a, my, the best listen, mafia down were not, out there. We were not best chums or anything like that, <laughs> sure. but I did get to meet him. Wow. And he was just was like the most down-to-earth, nicest guy. We I had to go. We had just released the Sopranos Edition cigar. And... um there was like this this unveiling of this uh, slot machine in some casino in Vegas where they had paid for the Sopranos cast to appear, and we were sponsoring it with the cigars. And so everybody's doing photos and everything. So I got had to get up there with Gandolfini and a couple of the other guys and do a, a picture holding the cigars. And I, was, and I hate having my picture taken. I really don't like it. And so I, I was next to him, and I was just like standing there looking at the camera guy or whatever. And he just he leaned into me, and he whispered in my ear, he's like, you look like you're having about as much fun doing this bullshit as I am. And I, and I just smiled and I said, yeah, I guess so. You know, and that's the kind of guy he was. It was just like, he wasn't all about the celebrity shit and everything. I remember one year he, we did the, we brought the cast in for a night to remember at cigar aficionado magazine. And my job was to get Gandolfini into the car, make sure he got from the car to the venue and all this shit. And it was like really getting up like to the last minute because his kid was doing karate lessons, his son. And it was more important to him that he stayed there and watched his kid's karate lesson and be there for his kid than to go do this black tie event. And I thought that's cool. You know, I mean, his, his family was like more important to him than some bullshit, you know, fundraiser charity thing, what have you. So. Did you get a, a chance dude. to watch the, what is it? The, the, the real saints of New Jersey. What was uh, many it? Saints many saints of Newark. Of Newark? The new movie, yeah. it's like a like a prequel to The Sopranos, but uh, no. Tony Sopran or uh, James Gandolfini's son yeah. is actually in Young it, Tony. and he plays Tony as a child. Oh, wow. I never saw it, so uh, it might not be worth the watch. I don't know. It's on uh, <laughs> HBO Max. Okay, it's I there don't get to watch TV. It's, very it's there, much, yeah, but. it's there. If you if you want to watch it, it's there. Uh, I thought it was pretty good. I thought parts of it were like, yeah, yeah no, it's it's no. kind of mid for me mid yeah 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 no i mean look cio was a, a good time man it's just like i got to do some really amazing things travel to some crazy places meet some really cool people it was it was a it was a ride i mean i had a, i had more fun doing that than what i'm doing now now it's there's a lot more pressure involved being a brand mm-hmm. owner or what have you but the cio days were just so much fun we had a blast i mean there's another story i'll share with you guys i grew up as a big boxing fan with my grandfather i i like studied boxing like i he would tell me about these middleweights like and willie pep and he would tell me about joe lewis and all these these other heavyweights and all these guys so i remember being a kid watching uh the frazier ali fights with my grandfather you know fast forward 
I did an event with Cigars International where we hired Joe Frazier to be the guest of honor. That's fucking and so cool. I got to get in the limo to go to his house in Philly, pick him up, ride back to Bethlehem, PA, sitting next to Joe Lewis. I mean, Joe Lewis, Joe Frazier, pardon yep. me, Joe Frazier. Um, and then at the end of the night, we had this thing where we, they played the fight, the Ali Frazier fight, where the one that Frazier won. And I got to sit next to him and he literally told me in my ear, like every round, like this is what I was doing. This is what I was saying to him. And then this is what he said back to me. And I watched this and I hit him with a left uppercut. And I, it, and I was just like, that was to me, that was like, I'm not starstruck, but sitting next to Joe Frazier, watching that fight and listening to him chat in my ear, I was just like, this is pretty fun. Cool. It's amazing how athletes can remember every little detail mm -hmm. about everything that happened. Uh, you see that a lot with like, uh, you know, NHL players. They can remember like every goal they've ever scored. Like, yeah. uh, I don't know how. Baseball are you a big players, hockey? Yeah. You a Smashville guy or what? Not at all. Nah, <laughs> you didn't jump on the bandwagon I, I, a couple of years it, ago. Thank you. Yes, <laughs> that's exactly what it is. To me, hockey is a sport where like you either grow up in it and you have the right to be a fan. Or you're a bandwagon jumper. And people in Nashville, no offense, jumped on that bandwagon and they didn't know the difference between icing and offsides or any of that shit. Yeah. They just went there to drink beer and go, fucking Preds. You know, and I'm just like, <laughs> what the fuck, bro? That's a touchdown. What the yeah, fuck? You know, you don't have the right to be a fan. I mean, guys like you, you know, that grow up with the sport, yeah, that's that's something you 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 have and you yeah. hold. But There's so nothing more painful like, than know, being a Sabres fan. Yeah. Dude, I'll tell you what, like everybody was a Titans fan when the Titans were winning, you know, and went to the Super Eric Bowl McNair. 2000 and all that, 2001, whatever. Yeah. And then as soon as they fell off, everybody's like, okay, let's go to the Preds games now, you know, <laughs> and now it's soccer. Now everybody wants to be a soccer fan, you know, and it's just, eh. I heard Nashville's in the talks to getting like a potential baseball team, MLB. I heard that it might really? be an expansion site. Yeah. If they could bring a sport to Nashville, this is going to be left field for you guys, but if they could bring a sport to Nashville, I would like to see a lacrosse team to come to Nashville. We have the Bandits. They win the championship <laughs> like every other year. So I, I, I totally I, understand that. You know, lacrosse is one of those things, again, you have to kind of grow up with. But my kid got into it when he was like seventh grade or something and then eventually played on a state championship team in high school and all that. So I really got into lacrosse and, you know, Rabel and all those guys doing, the, what is it, the – is it the PLA or something like that or the whatever league that he's got going? And it's nice to see that sport kind of grow, and it's, it's such an exciting sport to watch. If it you really guys is. are a Lax family, I'd have to imagine you know all the legends, John Tavares, uh, all those, all those guys, House, like, all our guys. Yeah, all, you guys have that on lock up there. Oh, I mean, it's done. It's just, Them in Colorado, yeah. the Mammoth yeah. are amazing too. Yeah. yeah. They have a great team. Yeah. To touch back on the fight sport, like to me, so I'm a nerd on that stuff. Like, uh, so my favorite boxer was always uh, Hector Camacho, and Macho Camacho. Yeah, yeah, man. And what did he fight like 150 fights or something stupid like that? Insane. I mean, those guys, it's crazy. It's crazy. They, I got they'll to meet never Google be Mancini. In nothing like that era of boxing. From Do you like, remember Ray Mancini? Yes. Boom boom. From Youngstown, Ohio. Yes. So I got to meet him, hung out with him at a, at a cigar event thing, and I think we're doing something with him in February of next year. That's and really he cool. was a cool dude too. I was just like, we were talking about some of the fights that he had and cause I watched him, you know, coming up and, um, yeah, it's just fun. Man. It's yeah. just, you meet some cool people once in a while. Who's your favorite boxer of all time. Yeah. Man, that's a tough one. I mean, I, I was a big Duran guy growing up. Hey, Loved Roberto Duran. Manos um, Parida. And Stone. He, 
God, right now, I mean, if I had to say, like, I think who could have been the greatest was Tyson. I mean, he had all the tools. I mean, yeah. He was just vicious in his prime. Um, but he probably doesn't get the accolades that he, he should get. Everybody's like, you know, Ali was the greatest. I'm not sure about that. Um, right now, I'm enjoying watching, like, Ryan Garcia come up. I think Garcia's got a lot of tools that, you know, everybody mistakes him as an Instagram fighter. But I think that kid is fast. He's very fast. Now he's training with somebody that's legit and he's he's isolated he's in texas living there i think you're gonna see that kid come up in the next couple of years um who else who else do i like there's a lot of good fighters coming up man i mean canelo still got i love canelo i still love canelo he's got that uh charlo fight coming up he may be a little bit long in the tooth now he might be might be past his prime but canelo was a beast i agree to that i used to look forward to watching canelo fight uh when he fought mayweather I think arguably, yeah. I think he might. I feel like nah, he, he might have Mayweather won. too early in his career. I feel like I agree. Yeah, uh, he would have been good. I remember, uh, you know, back in like 2017, 2016, you saw a lot of him and Triple G. Those were like, and it was really weird when you watch those because, like, I feel like I when, thought he lost the draw. I thought he lost the draw, but he won. And then when they drew, I thought Triple G beat him. So yeah, it was it was kind of it was weird. Triple G was was probably about a year or two past his prime when they started. They, yeah. Fighters like hold back and they won't like. I don't want to fight this guy until that 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 that. Well, it was like uh, Pacquiao and Mayweather. Yeah, I don't think uh, you know Mayweather really wanted to fight Pacquiao. You know, if he fought him three years prior to that, who knows? Maybe we would see something completely different. But I like going back to like Garcia when he fought fought Tank Davis. Obviously, the outcome wasn't what I expected. But um, what was nice is here's two fighters actually still in their prime that are going to mm-hmm. fight each other, not ones waiting for this other guy to get too old or whatever. And the better man won, you know. But it was it was nice to see two guys in their prime fighting. Yeah, you know, Tanks Mayweather. Amazing. Mayweather, I think, could be the the greatest defensive fighter in history. Dude never got but, hit. Yeah, I mean, it was always the the rolling the shoulder and this that you know. But he yeah he didn't get hit. That was his the way he succeeded. I mean, but. I don't know. To me, it takes more than that. You got to be a savage. To touch I on, loved watching Tyson fight. Oh God, he was fucking awesome. To touch on Mayweather, uh, and maybe this question could be for you, John, and you, Gio. Do you think he was kind of like boring to watch? Yes. Yes, but he was an art of boxing, a master. Like correct. The Defensively, to, to get he had to, a good jab too, though he had yeah. a good jab. You know, I just feel like you know they always went the decision, yeah. and he mm-hmm. never got hit. So you, I mean, like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, well, Mayweather landed five punches this fight, but didn't get hit any. So yeah. you know, uh, I don't know. I, my my <laughs> grandfather always used to say, "There's boxers and there's fighters." Mm-hmm. Mayweather would definitely be a boxer. Sure, he wasn't yeah. really a fighter because he really didn't have that knockout punch power. Like you look at Tyson's first twenty <laughs> fights when he was like eighteen, nineteen, twenty oh, years old. Scary when he. Unbelievable. Trevor Burbick like was, embarrassed him. Oh my god! He, he was beating up father and sons when he was 11 years old, as the stories <laughs> yeah. say. And that guy was a beast. Well, he, he was vicious. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, vicious. High test, very high test, running through him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, natural testosterone. Just, you knew it was crazy. Like you would, you, you know, maybe watch some, you know, introductory stuff and like the weigh-ins and dudes looked afraid of Tyson. They were oh, like, God. Oh, and guys bro. that were much bigger than him yeah. that towered over him that were big, and they would just be like, he was just like, you could see fear in their eyes, but they're like, ah, I got to take this fight, man. This is a payday. This is the guy. The, if you're fighting the, and you're making money, this is the guy you got to fight. He, he'd come in with that towel. He just had like the towel with a hole cut in it, like yeah. no robe or anything. He just walk in, shoes, no socks. You take the thing off of him and be like, first round, boom, 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 bam, and the guy would just go flying across the ring. It was like, or out of the ring, yeah. And- 
Tyson isn't that tall, but I remember when, I can't remember the dude he fought's name, but he was like six eight, big boy, and Tyson mm. embarrassed him. Like people are like, oh, he hasn't fought a tall fighter yet. Tyson got inside and put him to sleep. Like had this dude for, like afraid for Spinks. his life. No, had Customato not died, Mike Tyson would have gone on to become legend, greatest fighter of all time, hands down, no question. But yes. as soon as Cus passed away. Fucked him the up. The train went off the rails, and he got used. Don King got involved. And yeah, yeah. Just ruined. But him. I mean, if you watch anything about Tyson, like he really studied, studied fighting. Like he watched film over and over, and he was, he was a master at, at slipping punches. And everybody just thinks he was like a knockout guy, but he really studied the science of of, of boxing under oh, Cus. Yeah, and um, it showed. I mean, it was fucking amazing. Yeah. Then, do you watch any like the UFC stuff at all, or? Not really. No, I never got into UFC stuff. I never okay. did. Um, just I never got into it, and um, yeah, I just never. I mean, my extent of that was like maybe knowing who Conor McGregor was once he, you know, he took that fight with uh, with Mayweather, and yeah. I never really got into UFC. I actually loved that crossover, and I don't know good. why, but I loved that. It was a good era. I I wanted that. I wanted. I I, I don't like Conor McGregor, but I wanted him to win so bad. I don't. I did too. I like. Oh, I, I like I, Conor McGregor. The cocky swagger. I love it. Mm-hmm. He got, hasn't got, got a lot of winning lately. Yeah, but... he's been losing. He broke his leg when we were in Florida. He's old. It's just he doesn't even look the same. His face looks different. I mean, he's, he's definitely on some. He's on the juice, juice yeah. for sure. Oh, he's he's juicing. He's on the he's juice. He's doing some crazy stuff. Um, I think he got some rape charge in Miami or something. The All Star game. Yeah, yeah, there was something they, they about that. that. They say it's like a complete money grab because there's video footage of it. But who knows. I don't know. Well, talking about boxing and fighting and stuff like that, when you're going back to your youth and we talked about how you got involved with CAO, what was young John like as a kid growing up in San Francisco? And how were you first introduced to cigars? Like who did it to you or what what happened and what got you into cigars? Uh, As a kid, I would say I was pretty like introverted. Um, I grew up in kind of a rough neighborhood that's now actually been gentrified whatever they call it but <laughs> yeah when I was parts, going, good parts I mean, of san francisco now yeah but back then it was a little bit kind of dodgy and i remember like i was outside one day when i was a little kid playing catch with my uncle and i heard this pop 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 and i didn't i thought it was the firecrackers or whatever and my uncle comes and he grabs me he's like get in the house and i'm like what's the problem what's the problem found out like the next day somebody got shot like right around the corner kind of a thing and so i was always a little bit timid as a kid but i left home Relatively early, I was only 17 when I left to go live in L.A. and go to school there. So I kind of grew up fast down there, most, mostly just in L.A. Um, but as far as getting um, into cigars, it was completely by accident, to be honest with you. I was um, I had smoked like backwoods with my <laughs> yeah. roommates after college. We, we, you know, we thought we were high rollers, like drinking tequila. like A cheap true skater game. kid. You know what I mean? So we were, we were smoking backwoods and drinking uh, mezcal and chewing on the worm and all that shit. And that was my first, I guess, cigar or whatever. It wasn't premium. But then I remember when I had moved out to Nashville and I was flying back to California and I needed a gift. And I said, well, cigars would be kind of a cool guy's gift. And I literally saw this cigar store called Uptown Smoke Shop. I'm, like, I'm going to go in there. So I went in there. And literally, like, as soon as I walked into the humidor and I smelled like the tobacco with the cedar and the that smell that you get in a, in a good walk-in Imador. And I was just like, oh, man, this is fucking awesome. What is this? And then, like, I bought the cigars, went home, smoked some outside with my father. 
came back to Nashville right away, went to this store, picked up the Cigar Fishing Out magazine and just started reading and reading. And like I would save up money, whatever money I had at the end of the week, I'd go in and look for certain cigars that were on this ratings list. Do you guys have this? Do you guys have this? And I would like, I had a little three by five note card thing and I would paste the band in there and give my rating and you know, all that shit. I still have that. So, you sound, sound like Jerry. This sounds yeah, like, sound like literally my origin cigar story. That's how I got into it. And then uh, I just, Chasing uh, cigars uh, through Cigar Aficionado. What was the best cigar? How the hell can I get this cigar? Who yeah, has like, it? Like back then, if you had a 90, it was unheard of. So like, I'd ask for the 90. No, you don't have that. Do you have this Fonseca 550 that's got the 89 rating? Um, yeah, we have it. Okay, I, I can buy one of those. You know, and just, that was it. That's how it started. And um and then I just, I decided like, this is what I want to do. I got to figure out a way to get into it, which I just, you know, I told you guys the story of how I got into it, but that's what got me was this, the smell and the, the culture. And then, you know, I got hired by CAO in like April of 96. And then by, I think it was May or June of that year, it was, it was the, the big trade show and it was in Cincinnati that year. So, I mean, within the course of a couple of months, I was like thrown into the deep end and like our booth was right across from Cigar Aficionado's booth and. They had John F. Kennedy's humidor on display with armed guards. And there was Carlito wow. Fuente and there was Old Man Padron and all these guys I had read about in the magazines. And I'm like, whoa, like I'm actually in the business now. What the fuck am I? You know what I mean? Yeah. So it was it was a little overwhelming. but That's how I felt at my first PCA show two years ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, running into guys like you and, you know, Pete Johnson, because I'm, I'm like a big tech geek. Uh, Arturo Fuente, when I saw, uh, you know... Don Carlos, I was like, holy fuck, man. That's, yeah. that's him, man. That's the guy. I met Pete at that show. That's okay. the first year we met um, in 96 in Cincinnati. I was at the booth, and I saw this guy walking across, and he had tattoos, and I had a couple of tattoos, and he was, he was like one of those like, hey, what's up kind of thing, you know, and started talking, and he's like, yeah, I see man. you, bro. I <laughs> yeah, see yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah, at that time, nobody had tattoos, right? Tattoo so, Pete. Yeah, so we um, – we struck up a conversation and became fast friends because I had lived in LA and he was living in LA and we've just, we've been friends ever since. So that's cool, man. That's, that's, yeah. it's crazy the, that everybody has their own little origin story on how they get into this stuff. And you it was know, a lot harder back in those days to get into it. Cause sure. was, you know, there weren't that many ways to do it. You know, you literally had to like, I even got a rejection letter from cigar fish now magazine. I had sent, uh, Gordon Mott a letter saying that I could be their southeastern correspondent. I remember that. <laughs> How ballsy was that, right? Good for you. And um, he wrote me back. He get, sent me a very nice thank you no letter. And uh, <laughs> uh-huh. so, well, at least he sent a letter back. So I, mean, I agree. That's, Most that's of the people cur- that's didn't give me yeah. the, nobody gave me the time of day. Well, so it was. Uh, I got very lucky. Well, see, that's why I love asking anyone we have on the show, uh, whether it's an owner, a rep, whoever. I love asking like how they got started. What was their interest? And what was their first experience? Because everyone's got a different story, but yet mm-hmm. it's all relatable. And especially speaking to an owner, it's just great to hear how you started when you were young or like, you know, closer to our age and what you were doing with your life and how look like look where you're at now. So I just love hearing that from everyone. Knock on wood, man. It just shows you there's hope. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, right? I had listen, I tell you, I I had my share of absolute crap jobs. So to be able to do something <laughs> that I love to do still to this day is the hugest blessing in my life. It's, it's, you know, not have to go to work basically. That's how um, I feel about I mean, our job. Dude, when I was living in LA, um, there was a t- there was a period of time where I was telemarketing dog shampoo. <laughs> 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 so unheard of. 
and indoor sun tanning products. So that, that <laughs> that's kind of a cool question. What was the absolute shittiest fucking job you ever that's had? That's got to be it, man. The it sha- was, dog shampoo? I've never it even was, heard of that. I remember, dude, I remember it was Mr. Crystal's dog shampoo. <laughs> and I had a, a, a contact list, basically. Here's your lead sheet. And it was all these pet shops across the country. And you would literally sit there in your cubicle with all like the out-of-work actors and screenwriters. And you'd call up and you'd... <laughs> So Pitch, that's what those Mr. people Crystal's are doing. Shampoo. Yeah. And They're, then the other book, the set list was indoor sun tanning products, like, <laughs> you know, tan accelerators and shit. And uh, it was commission only. And it was just, it was fucking horrible. Oh, commission only is tough. That's a tough job oh. to get. Into. Oh, yeah. That sucks. There, there's your next LE name, Mr. Crystal. <laughs> Mr. Crystal. I'll never forget that. You know, and, there's and, a lot of those man. places in LA because a lot of out of work actors <sighs> and shit like that. And, um, so now we know what so, those people are doing that are make an appearance man. on a camera one time in a show or, or a movie. They're doing man. calls for a commission. It's that's not, that's straight to DVD shit. <laughs> or ain't they, there ain't even DVDs anymore. Straight to streaming. Yeah, straight to streaming now. Yeah, right. Exactly. And now you yeah. work for yourself and just being a part of a, a little podcast such as ours is just something that you do because you, you feel it's like fun. it. It's fun and it's just part it of is, being your own is. boss. I, listen, that, that day goes by where I go, fuck, you know, I've never had to wake up and go, God, I got to go to work, you know, it's just like, it's never like I'm always waking up and going through my mind, like what I want to do that day or what I'm going to work on or different ideas that came to me overnight or whatever. Uh, It's never lost on me. I just, I know that there's a lot of people that work to do a job to get a paycheck. And I, fortunately, I haven't had to do that for, you know, 25 years or whatever it's been done in the business. So, so it's, it's been nice. When we started our podcast, actually, uh, we, we, we had Miguel on. He was like our third episode. First guest. Uh, he was our first guest ever on our show. Um, came in the lounge. I'm like, dude, this dude literally knows everything. What the fuck are we doing? We can't have this guy on the fucking show. <laughs> People are like, how the hell did you get that guy on your show? I'm like, I don't even fucking know, man. We met him at fucking uh, at the cigar shop, and now the dude's coming on our fucking podcast. Oh, my God. Uh, he sent us a, a nice box. I, I think it would be it would probably you. You signed it. So we, we actually have on our fridge right next to Geo, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, a nice little note from you saying, uh, you nice. know, obviously me and Gio are uh you know police officers here in buffalo but yeah you know it was just a really nice note we we kept it up on the fridge and you know you guys are some of the first people that you know helped us out and i mean yeah man it was uh kind of like one of those cool things you'll always remember you know the nice little care package you guys sent us so we really appreciate you guys oh it's my pleasure man my pleasure um miguel i think started with us cao when he was i don't think he was 21 22 years old when he started. So I've known Miguel for freaking, you know, 20 some odd years too. What's and, that like um, being like the young guys in the industry, man? Like, cause you were when, you know, the, the industry was, I, I mean, obviously the industry is a little older, but sure. you see so many younger cigar smokers now, uh, guys are just getting into it, man. I mean, I can't, it's nice. It's nice because you want to see that torch get carried at, you know, the, to the next generation and keep going on past your time, your expiration date on the carton kind of thing. And I remember like talking to Ernesto and uh, I said, you know, I said, this is kind of surreal for me because when I was younger, I said, I used to read magazine articles about you. I said, now you're in my phone. I'm like done trips. I've been to your house. We, you know, we're like family. And I said, it's just kind of crazy how that all kind of worked out. Hang on, let me get rid of that call. <laughs> all good. Um, and um, I said, but you know what? I said, man, you're like one of the last of the Mohicans. This was like right after like, I think George Padron's dad had passed and Carlito's dad had passed. And so what do you mean? I said, 
well, when you're gone, God, you know, when you decide to stop doing this or whatever, who's going to do it? Who's going who there? Are, who are the tobacco guys? And he's like, well, no, they are, bro, bro, needless to say, there's guys like you and Pete. I'm like, no, it's different. You know, we we're we're a whole different breed than what you grew up doing and what Carlito's doing and all that. So, but you know, I think there are guys in the industry now, like Tony Gomez, you know, Lido's kid, and he's very passionate about the industry. And you know, Christian Yorov, uh, he's still around, and you know, he's young. And so, I think there are guys that will carry it on. But as long as there are young guys like you that are interested in what we do, that's what we need to sustain it for. You know, next next round. I can't think of how many uh, CAO guys that have came through the industry in their own different ways. Like Mickey Pag would all say. Yeah, Mickey was just here. I That's, kid you uh, not. He was dang. like. Congratulations to him. If he's still there, man, let him know. No, congratulations on the collaboration. He texted me yesterday afternoon. He's like, hey, Huge, do you have time in the morning for a, a quick cigar? I'm in town with my sales rep. And I said, yeah, I got time until I got to do this podcast like at 1 o'clock. So he came through about 1030. And uh hung out and he's doing good he's back in it you know, i just did that um thing with mcauliffe mm-hmm. now he's got mcauliffe sales guys and he's running those guys ragged so I yeah i mean the, miguel came from cao mickey you know uh brian mcgee who's still with us adam shepherd who's with us i mean tim i mean we're all still doing it so it's just crazy like i think of like how much people have been able to branch out from these like other brands like so I'm relatively new. I didn't start smoking cigars till about three years ago. Mm-hmm. And it just has grown since. Like I hear about like the Drew Estate family that popped through, the CAO yeah. family that popped yeah. through. Like it's just uh, wild. And I love that there's support for all these guys because it's never like this bitterness. No. Like, you know. No, it's it's it, the way I could describe it, like from this side of the fence, is it's it's more like a a fraternity. You know what I mean? Like I'm friends with all these guys that compete for us on shelf space. We're, we're buddies and we all look out for each other. And, you know, I, I mean, I was just texting with Nicholas Malillo this morning and, you know, talked to Sammy Phillips this morning from La Polina and we're all just, you know, we, we're all friends for the most part. I mean, I just, I can't think of any, but there's probably one person in the industry that I don't particularly <laughs> care for, but I'd rather not discuss that person. But, Fair uh, enough. We, 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 we got you. <laughs> you could, yeah. But other than we that, we can speculate. Man, we we've heard rumors. We've heard things. <laughs> we know some stuff. You've heard the tip of the iceberg. Trust me. Oh, I'm wow. sure. I'm sure we have. We've seen some <laughs> Just, of those Instagram videos <laughs> that um, you put out there. You know. Yeah. Yeah. We, but, can, um, we, we got for the idea. most part, like ninety nine point nine percent of the people I've come in contact with in this business have been just wonderful people. I mean, everything's done on a handshake, no contracts, no nothing, and just you know, like. Just, I don't know, you know, like uh, Ernie's a good example, Ernesto, you know, he couldn't make the trade show this year because he had some family things going on. And, but yet like my first text message in the hotel, six o'clock in the morning, how's Lavaretta? How are you guys doing with it? What are the sales numbers? Da, 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 da. He was as interested in us succeeding with that brand as if, as if like it was part of his own portfolio, you know, but when you, you know, when you get down to it, we're competing for shelf space, but it's still that camaraderie yeah. behind the scenes and, you know, same thing with like if I see something that Pete did, I'll text him and just say, "Dude, this is out of the world. You killed it on this." You know, oh, thanks, bro. That kind of thing. You know, it's 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 a really it's a cool vibe. It's nice to see the camaraderie, for mm-hmm. sure. Oh, definitely, definitely. I mean, uh, Nicholas from Foundation. I remember at the trade show he had, had some health issue, and I went over to see him. 
you know. Yeah, we saw him up. limping around with the gout. Yeah, I was just like, damn. And so, you know, I talked to him for like two minutes. He stepped out of a meeting, gave me a hug. We took a picture. And then I came home from Vegas. And then that following Monday, he called me. And we were on the phone for an hour and a half, you know, just and not really about cigar stuff, just about family and what's going on. And, you know, and just that's just the kind of people that are in the business. They're just good people. We actually had a little competition with their guys over at Foundation. We started uh, doing arm wrestling competitions with their guys. Oh, really? So, yeah, it was pretty yeah. funny. That's and funny. Nick was all about it. So yeah. it was funny. So it was like cigar hustler guys versus the foundation guys yeah. and arm wrestling. And it was pretty funny. It was yeah, a good one time. guy from, I don't know his name, from Cigar Hustler. He has Palsatani brand. He's, uh, Mike. He's Mike. 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 The Mike. Yeah. That guy's yeah. like, I'm like, what are you, what are you running today, man? Cause it's like, <laughs> yeah. he was, he was in our booth and I, I said, hey, I know who you are. I said, you know, congratulations on Palsatani. And he was like, oh, thanks, man. Just like his arms are just like, oh, Jesus. Yeah, that's like him and Gio. Gio is the same size as him. <laughs> wow. It's fucking crazy. They're both fucking absolute. They're like fucking gorillas. They're monsters. Yeah. They're yeah. tanks. Yeah. yeah. Absolute yeah. units. Oh, they're tanks. There's a weight sure. limit to be a part of Cigar Hustler, okay? <laughs> yeah, right. I just I just fit in because of my looks, you know. Yeah. It's not, I don't. I didn't make the weight limit. Or the height limit. Or the height <laughs> limit. But I got the looks. And I, com- the comedic side of things. <laughs> yeah, sure. There you go. Or the conspiracy side of things. Oh Jesus! Oh boy, no. we'll, we'll save that for another conversation. So, John, you've, Jake likes coming on for that yeah. part, though. John, you've got to work with pretty much a who's who in the industry. Is there anyone that you've you know wanted to do some form of collaboration with or work with that you haven't yet? Uh, not really. I don't look at it in that, in that that regard. I mean, certainly, if I had the opportunity to work with somebody like Carlito or George Padron, I mean, I would not turn it down. Um, I will say that. But I don't actively like seek it or anything just because I'm, I'm really part of me is just that it's I'm loyal to those that brought us to the dance. And like Ernie's been with us since day one. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he you have to remember when we decided to go with Ernie back in 2011, he hadn't made a contract brand for anybody. He had just he had done, you know, the Gloria Cubana thing and he sold his company for a gazillion dollars. And then in t- 2009, <laughs> he started EPC Cigar Company. And he is just doing cigars for himself. And when I pitched the idea, like, this is the guy I want to make our cigars, he took a chance on us. And uh, that, you know, to me, there's a sense of loyalty to that. I um, respect that. Yeah. I mean, we the, the reason why we branched out in 14 with the Garcias was because Ernie then did start to open up two other, I, I think he did a thing with uh, Michael Giannini at General Cigar at the time. And I was just like, oh, maybe we need Mikey G. Yeah, we need to talk about a well-dressed guy. Yeah. He's like the Carl Lagerfeld of the cigar business. (laughs) Um, So I said, well, maybe we should diversify a little bit and start doing things. And then I went back to Pete and I say, hey, you know, do you think you can get me a meeting with uh, Jaime and Pepin? Yeah. And so in January of 14, I went down there to meet with uh, the Garcias and Pete and Yanni were on that same trip. And Pete was actually the guy that validated uh, the original Las Calaveras for me. He helped me with that. Um, so, yeah, it all worked out. That's really cool. Haven't had the original, but I got to say, I absolutely, every summer, look forward to the new it's Las fun. Calaveras. It's fun. It's fun. It's fun for me. It's, it's, uh, it's, I think we've done 10 of them already, but I guess next year, technically, will be the 10-year anniversary. You got so something I, cool I planned know. for that? No, I have nothing planned. I don't. Do you have the color not, plan? Do you have the band color plan? No, no. It just, it hits, it'll hit me at some point. Well, you know, I just 
I just had the new one. It was like a celebration of my daughter's birthday. And I, after the party, just with my dad and brother, had the brand new Los Calaveras. And, you know, it just brings the whole family together. Get get my brother into things with cigars. My dad has his own way. But here I am just doing a Crown Heads Los Calaveras. It was was awesome. It was a great day. It was a good way to, like, end the party and celebration. And you always got to smoke it or celebrate something with something I like it. Like, when I hear that cigars, our cigars in particular, have become part of somebody's tradition like that or whatever um, that means a lot to me because i remember a friend of mine who used to be in retail he shared a story with me years ago um that his, his dad had passed and he and his dad every weekend would would sit outside and smoke a four kicks and so when when he buried his dad he put a four kick cigar in his, in his pocket before they closed the casket and i was just like you know that that hit home i was like dude that that's pretty heavy, but you know, it just made me feel good that we were able to do that. You know what I mean? And somebody experienced it. Yeah. Now with the uh, mule kicks, you know, when you get the Puerto Rican flag on the box, I'm man, I'm buy like four of those boxes, man. <laughs> you know, we have Puerto Rican tobacco. I don't know. That's somebody asked a couple of people said, "Why do you have the Colombian flag on there?" I said, "No, it's, it's Ecuador. Ecuador. It's Ecuadorian flag." So. Yeah. Yeah, meal kicks fun. That was a complete accident too. Back in 2012, that thing came about accidentally, and it just changed the course of our our business model ever since. Yeah, I mean, I've like I said, I'm one of those guys who, when I find like a good one, and like there's the collector like Pokemon syndrome, got to get them all type thing. But then there's also like, holy fuck, that was good. That's how I felt with the Azuli Oros. I got like three boxes put away. They were good. Uh, yeah, they that was, that's that's a great cigar. It kind of went under the radar a little bit, but you know, whatever. That was a, it is what it is. Very good fan of that one there. Um, there was there, when we did the 2012 Mule Kick, which is our very first LE of any sort. We did, I think it was 410 count boxes, and the MSRP was 895. I remember that. And then a few years ago, I heard somebody it was selling a box of the original one sealed for 500. dollars Wow! I was like, you gotta be kidding. Damn. So you you say these prices and you say five hundred and I'm like, because like <laughs> yeah. I I was one of those guys when I started getting into the cigars. You know, we've been talking about Tad a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I geek out on the collector stuff. I had to go back mm-hmm. and get every Monster Series box sealed, and I'm yep. gonna tell you that cost me a lot of money to get all that. I'm sure it did. I'm and sure I have it, it displayed I, here never, in the lounge. Gotten into the collecting thing, I don't. I don't know. Well, you oh, get to smoke all day. I mean, you get to manufacture cigars. True. You know, it, it's true. kind of it's it's different because I mean, if it, like you said, you had these relationships and you have these relationships where I mean, if you really wanted to, you know, smoke a, an original Frank, I'm sure you could just reach out to Pete. I'm sure he would take care of you if you needed it. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe. I was gonna ask. Maybe. I don't know. A, a spit in a handshake <laughs> kind of thing. Hey, man, I got <laughs> you in the future. Yeah, that would be a tough one, though. I don't know. I don't even know if they exist. Who knows? They but, exist, um, man. I can tell you they're, they they're exist. Expensive. They're expensive, though. I was going to ask, how is your collection? Because I've seen a couple of videos of Tim's humidor. I was going to say, uh, do you have one quite like that? And if so, is Not, it is it no, like that? No. Okay. My, my collection is on the other side of that door. It's called the warehouse. <laughs> Those are your babies. That's it. I mean, I don't. All right, put I mean, it out. You, Box it up if, and get it the fuck out. <laughs> if you came to my house, you would be hard pressed to, to figure out that I'm in the cigar business. Mm, okay. I don't. I don't smoke at home, um, so I don't really. I keep like a very small humidor. Somebody gifted me years and years ago a hand painted humidor, and 
it's got maybe maybe 18 cigars in it that are i don't even know if they're still humidified jeez <laughs> damn yeah i don't yeah. i don't i don't i don't collect and you, it's just different for me man. it's like yeah. like when i was single like i was such a douchebag because in my <laughs> in my condo that i was renting i had like you know all the press shit and the, the articles and the magazines and the crap I hung it up there. I'm like, I don't know why, who I was trying to impress. Like, I know I did that. Why do I need to put it on a wall? And then, you know, when, when I met Laura and everything and it started to start a family, I just threw all that shit away. I'm just like, it's just, it means nothing. You don't have an office, People, like a home office? No, 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 nothing, not a thing, nothing, nothing like that. When I go home. Very humble. When I go home, I'm not crowned heads. I'm actually Laura's husband and AJ's dad. That's okay. What it, that's, there's a definite shift there. And, I don't, I try not to bring work home literally like mentally or anything like that. Um, just, it just, it's, it's better that way. I like to be in the moment and very, that's kind of my thing. I'm like in the moment where I'm here, I'm here and I'm focused when I'm home. I want to focus on my daughter or my wife or our you know family. And that, that's it. I don't really, you know, girl, dad, I am a girl dad. I was a boy dad, but he's now a man, so he's off doing his own thing. Oh, dude, he um, talks about. Uh, you mentioned the whole douche douchebag era. Yeah, yeah, man, dude, it's the player's curse, man. I yeah. know that. I just had a. I just had my daughter. Gio's got one. Caleb's got two. So we have no boys. <laughs> you know, I, I have an older son. I tell you what, man, a boy is to me in my experience. It was so much easier with my son than a daughter. It's just completely different. Like boys fall and they scrape their knee. You'd be like, you know, rub some dirt on it. You'd be all right. <laughs> My daughter, like, if she gets a little scratch, like, oh, I'm like, honey, are you okay? You know? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> the, the voice drops, uh, decibels. Oh and, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. babe, are you okay, honey? <laughs> oh dude, I, I'm like that already. It's been two months with my daughter, and my wife's just like, <laughs> but I know she likes it though. It's like just totally like she, different. If she, has a, if she has a bad dream, she comes and wakes me up in the middle of the night. And I'm like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> I'll be like, oh, honey, you okay? You know, I'll go back to put her back to bed. And if it was, that was a boy, I'd be like, dude, it's a dream. Go to bed. You're waking me up. You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. It's, it's weird. It it's weird. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a whole different vibe. But yeah. I, I love being a girl dad. And she's just, you know, everything. So I'm trying to, like, really kind of compartmentalize so that work doesn't bleed over to that yeah. that aspect of my life at this stage of the game. So coming closer to the end of the cigar, I did have a question about it. Uh, obviously, this is without a doubt the most expensive cigar Crown Heads right. has ever put out. Uh, I know the reason. Obviously, it's the age of the the tobacco. But I mean, like for somebody that really doesn't understand that, I mean, can you kind of explain, you know, what goes into the price and and why you know this would be. I mean, I'd say this is significantly more expensive than the rest of the lines. Mm, I mean, the Calaveras 23, the, the biggest size was, I think, the suggested retail was about 16. So this isn't that big of a jump over that. Um, however, you know, I think there is a difference between people confuse premium with luxury. Premium, they associate with a price. So they go, oh, this is the price. But luxury is about the experience. And what it does to enhance your experience. And I look at Lavaretta more as a luxury as opposed to a premium. Like price notwithstanding, you smoke this cigar and smoke it next to something that's been under-fermented, that's all about pepper and monodimensional, and it's not rounded. And 
this cigar I could put down for five minutes and pick it up. It'll still be burning because the, the tobacco is aged properly. It's fermented. It's processed. It's what a premium cigar should be. So it has a luxury price associated with it. I didn't realize how good this cigar was personally until like I smoke a lot of stuff, right? So yesterday, for instance, I was smoking a very popular store exclusive. I'll just leave it at that because I don't want to throw shade on anybody. And I lit it up and I'm like, fuck, this thing's aggressive. It was just like I'd smoked it right after Lavaretta. Lavaretta was just like rich. It just was like smooth, clean, complex, a lot of different stuff going on. This cigar was just like somebody had slapped me in the face and just was like it was all pepper. It was harsh. And that's when you realize the difference between a cigar that maybe is at this price point versus a cigar that's just like a one note pepper bump. That's kind of where yeah. I'm at with it. It's so I don't I don't focus on the price as much. And quite honestly, I mean, we're not the only kid on the block that came out with a cigar in that price range this year. And Absolutely there's a lot not. of guys. Sure. Like I'll touch know. on that. Like I I've smoked this midway through. I'm probably getting into the final third here. Like for example, if you put an Arturo Fuente logo on this, this is probably a thirty five to forty dollar cigar here in New York. Okay. So it's just I don't think that it's the quality of the cigar itself here. Like I don't judge price point with quality in that. Like, cause I have, right. There's $10 cigars that I think smoke better than, you know, $25 cigars. Agreed. And agreed. Like part of that goes into it. Obviously you guys have your production costs that you have to, you know, meet just to, you know, make it a profitable experience and continue to push out. But there is something to be said about saying, hey, we want to go into that for sure. So you guys knocked it out. Like, I definitely agree. Thank you. Did you smell this cigar before you smoked it? I I know. Yeah, you smell shit right now. Yeah, yeah. Over a cold, so He's got that bad. summer cold bullshit. But mm. this thing on the nose before even the cold draw, man, what an experience. This thing is yeah. potent. It has yeah. such a great smell smell it, it, does. it really does and it, and it's significantly different than a lot of cigars that you know you, you give it the smell and you take a couple like a couple cold draws on it it's significantly different um uh, like you said you touch on the pepper notes that a lot of cigars do give off uh this does not have that um, no it's got a little bit on the retro but i mean it, there's enough going on that makes it interesting to smoke but it's just enjoyable it's it's a guy was one of my mentors back in the day from Cigar Aficionado. was a gentleman named George Brightman. And I remember he told me one thing, a lot of things, but one of the things he told me was like cigars should be enjoyable, not a challenge to smoke. Because at that time in the industry, it was the advent of all the strong, full-bodied, heavy, heavy cigars like VSG and all these things. And, and he said, no, a cigar needs to be nuanced and it needs to be aged. It needs to be balanced. That's what a premium cigar should be about. And I think that's what we, we really tried to do with, with Lavaretta was to really get that that experience down as opposed to just something that's going to hit you over the head. There's so many cigars out there that will do that now. You know, and I, I did a thing yesterday, and I, one of the uh, analogies I drew was like, it's a difference between like you want to sip on a crafted cocktail with really well-aged spirits or you want to do a shot. You know what I mean? So this is like the, the crafted cocktail with well-aged spirits that's, got complexity to it that you can sip and enjoy and then you've got plenty of, of cigars out there that's like doing a shot of jack yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you know what i mean fantastic way to put it it's also a fast fantastic time 
I'll, I'll definitely go out to a bar and do a shot of Jack. Well, <laughs> it could be enjoyable. It can still be enjoyable. I'm also going to say... A, I did a lot of that. I'm also going to say this cigar <laughs> is pairing very well with the Bullet 10. It's just something about the uh, the silky smoothness of the vanilla and a little bit of like baking spice from the Bullet 10 that's going with like the mochaness I'm getting from this Lavaretta. So it's pairing very well. I, I'm enjoying it a lot. It's a very... It's making it very, a very easy... Drinking and smoking experience. Not fighting the cigar one bit at all. Smooth. I'll live vicariously through you. I mean, that's <laughs> one thing I can't talk about is, is pairing because I, I gave up that a long time ago. So I retired my drinking jersey. Where would you uh, Where would you classify the cigar as far as strength wise? Oh God, that's a, that's I I don't even know. I, the, that's one thing I, I try to refrain from doing is because what's What's strong to me may not be strong to you and vice versa. Um, and I think one thing in our industry that gets kind of mishandled is strength versus body. Like people think full body, they think, oh, pepper. No, that's the strength and the intensity of the flavor profile. Body is about how the smoke feels on your palate. Like is it lush? Is it chewy? Is it dense? That's body. This to me is like medium to full in body. Yeah. But as far as strength, I don't think there's, I would say it's medium at best in terms of strength, in my opinion, but that could be, you know, it, it varies upon user experience, I suppose. Yeah, I don't think this is like, I mean, I'm a pretty, you know, I'd smoke, you know, two to three cigars a week, and I would say this isn't going to melt me in a chair. No, and yeah. no, it's not intended to, you know, and when cigars are, when you start with tobaccos that are really good and, and processed properly and fermented and people have had the patience to wait for the tobacco to come into its own that's the experience you're going to get you're not going to get the whoa you know the you know you're scraping your tongue afterwards and all that kind of a thing i mean look there's a there's a segment of the market that that enjoys that and that's fine this is just not what we were trying to create with labaretta it's just a different experience well i got to agree with that uh there are some cigars that you know they definitely they can linger yeah. Uh, whether that's how you feel after you smoke it, or you know that taste on your your tongue that you mentioned. Uh, yeah. This thing is very, very rich, uh, creamy. Um, I, I mean, this for the price point is. I mean, it's fantastic, man. Uh, and, and and what's crazy is it's not even that it's not even that expensive. It's just higher <laughs> than what you guys normally put out. Exactly. It's just exactly. it's a really it's, premium product and uh even luxurious as as you would say, you know, more on the luxury you. side. So we appreciate uh you know the products you guys are putting out. We I got to just you. throw this out there and this is this speaks volume to you as well. We appreciate mm. your staff because mm. you have some of the best reps out there, man. Like I can't tell you how excited I, I get agree. when when Jake sends me a personal text. I know he's doing appointments all day, but it's always at the end of the day when it's like, hey, man, I just finished up my appointments. What are you doing? Like, mm. I, I, I'm sure that's also real nice for him to have that, like, you know, yeah. he has friends here that he can come and he can sit in this, you know, the my private lounge and, you know, we can sip on grape spirits and, you know, trade cigars. And I mean, it's it just it's it's really awesome to have a staff like that. That's so into yeah, I, what I they're look, doing. I don't look at it like a staff. I just think that it's it's a group of guys that bought into a culture. That's what we were trying to sure, create. Yeah. It's more of a, sure. of a culture of anything that, than, than anything else. It's not even, I don't look at them as like my staff or my employee or whatever like that. We're all part of the team culture. And it starts with Miguel. Miguel is like, to me, and I would tell this to anybody, I think Miguel is at the top 
echelon of what he does in the business. I think he's one of the best, and I'm so grateful to have him. It, we actually went after Miguel three. T- I went after him three times to try to hire him, and um, I, I was like, if the third time doesn't work, forget it. We're moving on. But you know, he, he came on board in 2017, and guys like Jake, you know, they fit in great. He's been a wonderful get. Any shit from um, Rocky for for poaching him? <laughs> for, I don't from think Burn? so. I mean, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I didn't. I haven't. I Rocky was very nice to me at the show. Gave me a hug. He's a nice, you know, we're, we're, we're pleasant with each other. Um, but, yeah, I don't, I don't think there was any any real. Uh, I meant that in, like, a joking way. No, I know. I you know, know obviously, you let a guy have an opportunity like that. You know he's going to make that move. So We're very particular about who we bring in, to be sure. honest with you. We don't, we don't have a huge turnover, but we don't bring a lot of people in. And when we do, we want to make sure that it's the right fit for both parties. Sure. And to this point, you know, knock on wood, it, it has been. Um and you know sometimes it doesn't work out, and we have to part company, and that's okay. That's that's cool too. But for the you know we have a we have a, a nice thing going. I'm very grateful for the guys that I get to work with. Well, I don't know if the guys had any other questions, man, yes. but we're we're getting ready to start wrapping up, man. I just want to say thank you so much you. for for coming on and spending a little My time pleasure, with guys. us, man. Hundred uh, percent, it was fun. We we should do it again. Absolutely, man. And uh, we'll make sure that we say just you know a little more than hey, what's up, John? At the in March. <laughs> Um, just no, it's all good. All good. Yeah, we'll see you in March. Yeah. And um, maybe we can do one of these again before March and we'll talk about what we got coming out new. I've already got twenty four lined up, so Well that leads into my last question for you. What yeah, what's uh what's the look forward coming down from the Crown Heads pipeline? Uh, in the immediate future we've got the new Mildias size extension topes, which is a little four and seven eighths by fifty six with a pigtail. It's nope. it's modeled after the Trinidad Topes from Cuba. Fan to me. If you like Mildias, it's the best Vitola in the brand. So that's coming. Um, it's leaving uh, Nika end of the month. Um, and then we've got uh, the Patissier number two from Noxa, the Torpedo. That's coming next month. I've got the Lost Angel TA exclusive 2023 mm-hmm. shipping next month. Oh. And then that brings us into October, which we'll be doing the Paniolo Especial for Hawaii October the 7th. Awesome. And probably a couple more things after that. Uh, all, all like seriousness aside, man, are they even going to be able to take that? Well, They're I, dealing with some crazy shit yeah, over there no, right I know, now, man. I, it's like it's heartbreaking to me. I, I've I've had the fortune of going over there every year since 2015 to do this event for them, and I mean, the, I, listen, if I could live anywhere besides where I'm living now, Hawaii would be top of the list. I just love. The people there are just so nice. The culture, the lifestyle, everything fits exactly with where I'd want to be. I just can't talk my wife into moving that far away. There um, is there plus, a great cigar culture in Hawaii? So it's different. Um, basically, you know, because it is so isolated out there. Um, if you make the trip over there as a brand owner, that's what Marvin, the the guy that I, the promoter that I do this with. He told me, if you come over, people will support you because they realize it's, it's for us, it's like from the time I wake up to the time I get to the hotel, it's 23 hours. Damn. Um, yeah, it's, it's a lot of travel. Um, but yeah, they just embraced us so much. I mean, like I'll go and do that event and people pay $110 just to get in. And then in three hours, we do a lot of sales. And people don't buy singles. They buy boxes of stuff. And um, and then they'll bring gifts. They'll, everybody walking up to me with a bag full of stuff like, you know, homemade poke or this or that or just things that they've made. And just like it's amazing. Just like the culture there is phenomenal. I love, love going over to Hawaii. 
but to answer your original question, yeah, um, it's not, it doesn't affect Oahu, which is the island that we do the, the event on. Uh, Maui was devastated. Marvin does have a couple of stores on Maui. I checked in with Marvin. He says they went unscathed. They were okay. But I mean, that's going to be years to recover from that. And it's, it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. Um, but yeah, so we are going to go forward and do the Paniola on October 7th. Cool. So that, that will be something to look forward to as well. And Marvin does ship back to the States. So if anybody wants to get hey, Paniolo, yeah, can, we need to try that from him. It's a banger this year. I really wanted to deliver something that's really fantastic and uh, success, success on that one for sure. So, All right. Cool, man. But hey, yeah, man. listen, thanks for coming on. And uh, we appreciate you, John. Keep doing Pleasure what you're doing, man. I enjoy chatting. Thank yeah. you, guys. Yeah, man. It. Enjoy the rest of the day, and uh, we'll uh, we'll be talking in the future. Hell yeah. And work on that Bills hat, dude. Maybe <laughs> if it's just three hats, dude. Figure something out, and we'll buy them. You never know. You never know. <laughs> if you guys need anything, give me a shout. I All right, brother. You. We appreciate All you. All right, man. Be well. Lastly, right, John. Uh, John, this is unrelated. This won't be on the air. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes this takes a second to upload. So if you can just leave the website open on your laptop or a computer okay. just to upload the video for us, you'd be really helping sure. us out because sometimes it goes. Like how long do you want me to leave it up? I don't know. It says 99% uploaded. So, so that's good. So you're, you're on a hardwired computer, I'm guessing. Uh, No, this is just a laptop. So, oh. and it's, I got 26% left on it. So. <laughs> Oh. I'm sure it'll, it'll be Yeah, fine. it'll be fine. Yeah. All, All right, right, man. We cool, appreciate man. you, dude. Appreciate you guys. Thanks so much. Thank you, John. Cheers. See you, brother. See you. Thank you. Cool. All right, fellas. You guys about ready for this uh, cigar review? Uh, indeed. Caleb, how'd you do, bud? Dude, good. I Can you imagine? This is a great cigar. Great guy on the podcast. So um, I can get right into it. I'm ready to go. It's all set and done. Go for it, brother. All I'm right. Done with, I'm done as well. So appearance on this thing. Got the double band, the black, white, and gold crown heads. It looks awesome. I'm giving it an eight and a half. Uh, burn, uh, nine. Uh, no issues once whatsoever. Only lit it once. Didn't touch it up at all. Oh, I touched it up one time, but got a little long-winded, so touched it up. Uh, construction, nine. Uh, there's not an ash on me constructed very nicely like uh, john said you could drop this thing it would hold up uh draw i went with the straight cut today uh no issues at all either just nothing it just went perfectly um and enjoyment we had john huberon from crown heads the owner how awesome can you get gave it a nine and a half so my overall score was a 45 times it by two you got a 90 from caleb hey and um notes uh the smell cold draw very light mocha hints to it and as you smoke this thing especially towards the ending uh a lot of peanut butter it was very creamy um and towards the very end because i'm taking this down to the nub very light pepper at the end but uh the peanut buttery creaminess of this taste really takes over as you smoke it down past the halfway point so uh i enjoyed it made a very good pairing with this bulletin um like john said it was a medium cigar this whiskey the age of it I'd give it a medium, like, drink taste profile, uh, harshness level-wise. So the medium-medium pairing went very well. Uh, very enjoyable day today. Loved it. Perfect, man. Yeah, I as well uh, really enjoyed the conversation. Uh, it was really cool having John on the show. Uh, but the Lavaretta, this is the 54 ring gauge. Um, the appearance, I gave it a 9.5. I've seen the box, man. This thing is very, very cool. Uh, you feel like you're smoking that luxury uh, that you'd be accustomed to with like an Arturo Fuente or a EP Carrillo. Um, really, really cool stuff. Uh, I like the band. Um, 
before today I didn't even know that it was like a you know a double letter. I thought it was just a V, but apparently it's actually the Lavaretta. Yeah, you can see that. But uh the burn I gave it a nine. Really, really awesome cigar. I mean, this thing is still going right now. Uh I mean perfect burn on this thing. I gave it a nine. Uh construction, I gave it a nine as well. Uh you could put this thing down. He mentioned previously in the episode. You can put this thing down for five minutes, come back. The thing's still going to be burning. The 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 premium tobacco that's used in developing this blend, uh, I mean, they didn't miss. Uh, the draw on this thing gave it a nine as well. Really, really awesome. Uh, just doing what it's supposed to do. And obviously, my overall enjoyment had to give it a 9.5. We had the man himself, John Huber. This is about a year and a half uh, in the making, I'd say, right? Uh, it's it's It's... It's yeah. been long overdue. We, we've had a who's who from Crown's head, Crown Heads on, you know. I, I'm happy we got to have John on. Yeah, it was really cool, man. What a, what an awesome guy. Uh, that brought my total to a 46.92 overall. Uh, really like the cigar. So, uh, my tasting notes on this thing. If before you even smoke this thing, it just smells like dark chocolate. Uh, the cold draw, like a chocolatey espresso. Um, but it doesn't punch you in the face. And I know I mentioned that there's not like this uh, pepper bomb flavor that, you know, a lot of cigars have. This thing does not really punch you in the face like that. Um, uh, overall, I mean, this is a cigar that I would, if you guys got the money and you guys want to try it out, I would definitely give this a whirl, man. This thing is awesome. Gio, how'd you do over there, bud? Tallying up my final right now. Add Two. it up, baby. Mm-mm-mm. all right guys appearance i gave it a 9.5 i couldn't agree more i think i mentioned earlier like if you put an arturo fuente logo on this box like you're probably looking at this being like a 35 to 40 dollar cigar like it's just they put quality product in it and they put it you know some good stuff into the actual you know making it look nice uh it stands out on a shelf that black and gold you know it's going to stand up to, especially in the Crown Heads portfolio, that box is going to stand out. Burn, I gave it an 8.5. I touched it up, did a lot of talking this episode, so I'm not going to really hold it against this cigar. Uh, simple as that there. Like you said, this thing was a tank, and it never really truly went out. It was just like touching up a little corner. Like uh, Construction, 9, same thing. Don't have a single ash on me. That's always a good sign. Like Usually you get one flake here or there, and, and you know... What else can you say about this thing? Draw. I V-cut mine. 8.5. No issues. Got all the smoke, you know, you could ask for. I mean, I don't know about your guys' experience, but I thought this was a very smoky cigar. Uh, definitely a little bit smokier than the usual Crown Heads. I don't know. Uh, not. A, it's uh, very thick. Uh, enjoyment. I gave this a 9.5 as well. I loved the conversation. You know, well, we dabbled in everything from just, you know, cigar talk all the way on into fighting and you know boxing it, how can you not enjoy a good conversation like that uh that brought my total to a 45 giving this bad boy a 90 hell yeah yeah hell yeah i guess that brings to our last question you know do you consider this single five pack or box worthy dude you could get a box if you got that money <laughs> throw that money around that's a 450 dollar box I uh, mean, is it a box of 20 yeah okay what's up I mean, if you can afford it, it's definitely, you're not going to be disappointed buying a box. What's great about this is, 
you don't have to worry about buying a box. It's regular production. Yes, this is very cool too. I hope this isn't one of those regular productions that isn't always on back order. Oh, dude, it's yeah, definitely going to be, be one of those. I'm telling you, it's going to be. Right now, only a few retailers have this cigar. Yeah. So if you're fortunate enough to have this cigar in uh, you know, your local shop, make sure you guys are checking this thing out, man. Yeah. All right. Overall score, guys. Uh, we need to tally that up. I got it for us. Uh, what do we got, bud? So 90, 92, 90 is a 90.667, 91 overall score. Perfect, Boom. man. Yeah. Great score. High rating alert. So if you guys are out there and you guys want to check out the cigar, definitely do that. Uh, we're getting cl- uh, to the end of the episode. Caleb, what do you got for closing notes, bud? All right, guys, just make sure, as always, you're following the YouTube, Facebook, Instagram page, and like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Leave us your comments as well. Um, also, to know, guys, we got that Penelope bottle. Uh, make sure you hit us up. We're going to get that to you ASAP. Perfect. Oh, yeah. You and if you guys it. are listening to the audio only, uh, make sure you guys are checking us out on a Cigar Hustler podcast network. Uh, these guys are fucking awesome, man. And, of course, we all know this by now, the number one podcast, a cigar podcast on Podbean. So make sure you guys are checking us out there. Uh, make sure you guys are checking out their show as well. They put out some great content, and we really appreciate those guys. So, uh, yeah, man. Gio, any closing notes? Yeah, uh, just, you know, also make sure you give Crown Heads a follow. You know, we appreciate it. We do a lot of work with those guys, you know, all of them from Miguel, Jake, and John himself. Uh, appreciate them, you know, always taking their time out to, you know, come on the show and talk the product. That being said, guys. Peace. As always, see you guys next Wednesday. The Down to Herf Podcast, its owners and sponsors take no responsibility for the opinions or statements made by the talk show hosts or their guests. Statements or show topics are not necessarily the beliefs of Mike and Mike Productions or the podcast providers, and opinions between talk show hosts may differ. It's not our intention to libel, incite, or hurt anyone's feelings. We invite you to write the show's host, Jerry Lewandowski, with any feedback or suggestions you have for their show. These broadcasts are presented and made public as entertainment in the hopes that they will be entertaining to the audience.